Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday night. We're, we're live a little bit early this week because, as you'll come to realize if you haven't read the description already, we have a marathon of a show on tap tonight. We are going out to the city of Rochester in huge, massive numbers for another mar- marathon edition of the Shout Football Podcast. I am Matt Perino, joined as always by my co-host, Ryan Talbot, um, and we're going to be joined by tons of talented folks on the Buffalo Bills beat from Rochester. Um, We'll get into how the idea for the show came about a little bit later in the show, but we're joined to start things off. He's, he's an OG. I mean, he is, he has been on this Buffalo Bills football beat for uh, a very long time. The, the the biggest veteran of the group, uh, Sal Mayorana from the Democrat and Chronicle. What's up, buddy? How are you? Yeah. Where you been boys? Huh? You finally (laughs) want me to me to come on the show? <laughs> listen, listen. We guys are. Here's the problem, and I was telling this to Jerry Sullivan. Uh, I think a couple weeks ago or months ago, they are, all the days during pandemic are, are kind of going together. You, you get you set out on this journey, and and you, you make it all about this inclusion, and and you want to have as many guests as you can, and then you start realizing like, okay, like this is a lot of work, and like scheduling these things every week, and there's always people that you miss here and there, but. It, it is on me because it's it's a travesty that we haven't had you on sooner because I think from an entertainment value, this one is going to – I think the ratings are about to go up a little bit. So how, how are you? How, how are yeah. things going uh, during this uh, weird season, off season? I feel like uh, I've barely seen you because what do we get a couple uh, couple games during the season? That's about it. Yeah, yeah. It's been uh, been an awful year for everybody, I'm sure. Uh, hopefully everybody's safe. You guys look look to be safe. I know I've been safe and healthy. But yeah, this this year sucked. I mean, this is my thirty. Well, this will be my thirty second year covering the team full time, and obviously, we never had one quite like that. And I just thought that the biggest disappointment of the whole thing, guys, and I'm sure you feel the same way, is the Bills finally turn the corner and give us, you know, a season to really be excited about and remember. And it just never felt like a real season, right? With no fans uh, in the stands until the playoff games and. 
Uh, it was just a shame. All those road trips we missed out on. It was a great road schedule. You know, I'm a little bit over the travel at this point, but I will admit there were some fun, fun cities we could have gone to. So, uh, yeah, it sucked. But, you know, good for the Bills. They pushed through it, and they gave us a great year, and let's hope that there's going to be more of that in uh, 2021. You know, Sal, you mentioned the fans, and, and obviously in the playoffs, the, the Bills were able to get limited fans into the stands. What are your expectations for the start of the 2021 season in terms of fans at Bills Stadium? Yeah, Ryan, tough question. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, Cuomo is finally starting to lift the reins a little bit here, and all the news seems to be pointing in a positive direction, right? I just saw him today said that he thinks by the end of May the entire state will have access to, to a vaccine if they choose to get it. So I got to believe that's all good, herd immunity and and all that stuff. But I don't know. I don't know if I, I'm, I'm actually not sure how many fans will truly be comfortable in September about going back into a stadium that holds 70,000 people. I think a lot of people are still going to have reservations, uh, whether Cuomo decides to let everybody in or not. So I think we're still in the process. We're clearly moving in the right direction. I think that stadium will have many more people than 6,700, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know if it's going to be a full house by uh, September at least. Yeah, and speaking of a player that fans would wanted to see, J.J. Watt uh, obviously was taking his time figuring out his next home, and the, and the Bills, by all reports, were a finalist for his services. Uh, after looking at the contract that J.J. Watt received, do, do you feel like the Bills were probably best to bow out to not offer that kind of money considering the contracts that they still have to lock up, not just with some of their free agents this year, but obviously big picture, the Josh Challens of the world here in, in the near future? Yeah, I, I clearly was glad that it didn't happen. I mean, I was never on board with it. I got all the excitement about you know, J.J. Watt coming to Buffalo, and the guy's a great player. But you, you knew it was going to be a contract, I thought, similar to the one he did get. A lot of money's tied up in that. And let's face it, I mean, he's still a very good player, and he could impact the game, but he's a declining player. I just didn't think the investment would have been worth it. For, for the bang you would have gotten for the buck, I'm not sure uh, in the Bills' salary cap situation the way it is, that it would have been worth it. They would, they would, they would. If they signed him, they would not have been able to do some of the moves that I think they're probably going to make here in the next few weeks. So I was fine with it. Um, you know, you can find a cheaper way to get a, get an edge rusher, and you know, he's not going to be JJ Watt for sure. But I think they're going to be fine without getting JJ Watt. I was glad that he didn't pick the Bills. Ryan, we had the reaction pod the other day. Obviously, I went on with John Scott. What were your what were your thoughts on it? Because, you know, to Sal's point, we did spend a lot of time on it. And I think as you you kind of put some distance, I, the biggest thing for me was uh, you know, adding an impact player at that position, which is something that I thought, you know, should be a a, a key ingredient to this offseason, a successful offseason. They obviously didn't land J.J. Watt. There's probably some other options. And I think this is a year where you'll probably get a couple swings because of all of the different types of players that are going to hit the market uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, first and foremost, the money tied up to Watt, I, I didn't like that when I saw the final numbers. Essentially, this it's a $20 million right when he signed on the line, guaranteed to him, $28 million over two years. That's a lot to invest in a guy on the wrong side of 30. Uh, this 
the Bills, it seems like, it feels like, especially in the last few years, they've thrown a lot of money at their defensive line, and we're not seeing a lot of results from it. Uh, you know, Mario Addison, great locker room guy, uh, had been averaging about nine sacks per season, has a career low in, in, you know, one of his career lows in sacks, pressures this past season. We, and there was a pandemic that, that they didn't have a full offseason. That probably played into it. Same thing with the play of Quentin Jefferson and Vernon Butler. But it still was not at the level that I think they were expecting, investing so much money. So you're not throwing that much money at another player. I'm not sure that's the answer. And like you said, there's going to be some veterans that get let go in these next few weeks where you could add them into the mix and it won't go into the compensatory pick formula, which is a completely different topic. Uh, and, and then there's going to be some young free agents. If a Carl Lawson hits the market, a Romeo Aquara, uh, and the list goes on and on. So you can possibly get younger there and have someone that you can benefit your defense long-term. I liked, I like what Brandon said about looking back and, and, and evaluating what he did last offseason and, and admitting that they probably wouldn't have done what they did had they known what was on the you know horizon in terms of the salary cap situation. But you look back and I, w- I want to get your thoughts on this because you, you know you watch the team every day like I do and um, you know this defensive line was it underperformed and a lot of the pieces that he brought in last year, whatever kind of route you want to take to explaining it away, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, Quentin Jefferson, you know, there was a lot of money invested there and not a lot of return for the investment. Yeah. I mean, you're, they spent the most money of any team in the league on the defensive line and they were very high the year before too. I'm not sure. I think they were number two uh, in spending on the defensive line the year before. And quite frankly, they haven't gotten the production that they needed to get at that dollar level. Jerry Hughes has been a great player. You know, he's, he's their best lineman still, I think. But even Jerry, I mean, there's this. I know it's not all about sacks. He doesn't get enough sacks. There's not enough game-changing, game-altering types of plays coming from that line, not even Jerry Hughes. Addison had a few nice games this year. But, again, a, a declining player when the Bills signed him. I wasn't expecting really a whole lot more. So I thought he gave them, you know, kind of what, what he I, – I thought he would do exactly kind of what he did. The guys that I'm concerned about, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but there's been a lot of talk about Ed Oliver. And I know even some of our comrades on the beat, you know, will will paint a picture of, you know, don't look at the stats. He had a much better year than it looked. Well, I'm sorry. You you know I'm an old guy. I don't rely all all that much on the analytics of things. I don't think he's been very good. Certainly not number nine overall pick worthy. And it's been two years now. I'll, I'll cut him slack. For the rookie year, he's a rookie. But last year, I expected a whole lot more out of Ed Oliver. And I, you know, I don't want to hear about, yeah, he's impacting things. He's your, he's a great three technique baloney. I want to see plays. There were not game changing plays. When you're a top 10 pick, you got to be making those plays. So they got to get that from him. Epinesa, we'll see. I mean, you know, JJ Watt's not going to be here. There's an opportunity for your second round pick last year to make a move this season. I get why he started slowly, you know, no off season. We kind of expected the, the year he gave us uh, because he wasn't really ready to play the first half of the year. Well, this year it's going to be on him. He's got to perform. He's a second round pick. He's got to be a starter on that team and he's got to be a playmaker. So, you know, you, we talk about these older guys. It's these young guys that I think the bills have got to get going here. If they're going to make a difference up front. No, I think that's a great point. And I, I'm with I'm 
I'm kind of somewhere in the middle on the Ed Oliver discussion. And and I know that may be weak. I don't have a strong take on it one way or the other because I kind of tend to be a little bit more like you and that I'm not sitting there analyzing the tape. So I can't tell you from play to play what he's doing and how he's winning necessarily. I will say that I don't like how they used him this year at times. I, I could tell that at times they asked him to be a nose tackle and, and they specifically talked after they drafted him about not wanting to put him there because he played out of position there at Houston and you brought him in here to be a pass rusher. Now, I think one of the problems with that Oliver is when you get compared to Aaron Donald coming out of school, the expectations are going to be sky high to your point and the production just hasn't been there for it. So to your point, huge, huge year in year three. You know, and I, and I get that he didn't have Starla Tulele next to him, but come on, guys. Starla Tulele is not exactly a superstar. He's a good run-plugging guy, but Vernon Butler is kind of a guy that can do that too, right? He's a 320-pound guy. It's right. not like he's a 275-pound tackle. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't buy the argument that just because Tulele wasn't there, it impacted Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver should be a player on his own. He shouldn't have to have – Starla Tulele opening things up for him. I think he needs to take some of that responsibility on himself. So, you know, we'll see when Star comes back. If Star comes back, maybe that's going to push Ed over the over the edge in year three. But they need him. Like I said, they need him to start being a playmaker up front. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you said that if because that was going to be my follow-up to you. You know, when do you think we're going to hear something in regards to Star in, in returning? I know there was something on social media this past week about all the Patriots opt-outs, those key defensive players. They're all planning to come back. The big thing here is Star Latula and a lot of these veterans, they already have money in the bank. They just had an entire year off, and they might be like, you know, this isn't so bad. I, I'm not banged up. I'm not injured. So should we be hearing something about his status or should we just assume he's coming back? Because if, if this is even in question, all of a sudden there's another big hole that the bills need to address. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't assume anything with him. I mean, he, he made it very clear right away. You remember, remember Tredavious white was waffling and then he decided to play Starlet Tulele. Apparently there was no way that it was ever even a, 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 a chance that he was going to play. So clearly with young kids that he has, he was concerned about it. So we, you know, we go back to the first point about where we are in this pandemic come the start of the season. If if we're still in a situation where it's not hundred percent safe, maybe he does say, you know what, I'm not doing this again. Now I think the bills did prove though. And I think we all saw, well, we didn't see it. We weren't over there as much, but I think they did prove they can get through a pandemic pretty well. Right. They were one of the teams that really handled this um, the right way. They only had a few, really minor situation. So maybe maybe he sees that, sees how serious the organization was about keeping guys safe, and maybe that'll make the decision for him. Let's also not forget, too, guys, he, there's a lot of money on the table with him. So I don't know that he's willing to walk away from all that money again and maybe retire and leave all that money on the table. I don't see that happening either. So I think he'll be back at some point. Yeah, I I agree. That's a, something that I was thinking about looking at the dead cap because you know obviously a lot of fans, to your point, are are have been eager to maybe try to move on from that Star Latula contract for a while, and it's it's one that you can't move on from because if you try, I mean, you could try to trade him, I guess, but uh, I don't know if anybody's going to want to take that kind of hit on. Uh, big story today. Uh, it kind of was in the uh, you know seemed like it was you know coming up for the last week or so. Brandon Bean went on a podcast last week with Chris Collinsworth and talked about, you know, just going through the playoffs, the playoff run while dealing with assistant coaches getting head coaching interviews. And, you know, he had mentioned on the podcast. Now I thought 
uh, from reports that Brian Dable interviewed with the Jets and the Chargers. But but being said on the podcast that he had three or four interviews the week of the Colts game. And you start get sitting back and thinking about what that's probably like for an offense, not only like offense as a whole, but Josh Allen in particular, getting ready for a huge playoff game against the Colts who had obviously we noticed a really good defense. And so the bills put in a formal proposal to the league uh, this week that will kind of change the process for how these interviews take place. Uh, pushing things back, uh, you know, interviews starting after the conference championship games and then hiring starting after the Super Bowl. I want to get your initial thoughts on, you know, if you, if you even think that's a good idea. I think it's a very good idea. I, I've always been bothered in the past by the way this system works. And, I, you know, again, there's really – I guess there was really no way around it because a team fires its coach at the end of the year. It wants to get started right away on the next guy. But I think that just hurts so many of these quality – assistant coaches and coordinators who are on good teams who are clearly doing a great job in their job and they lose out on these opportunities just like Eric Bieniemy has for probably two years now for sure and maybe that impacted you know Brian Dable too so I do think there needs to be some sort of change again the problem is then you push everything back in that particular team's building of the staff and all that you lose, you know, a month by the well, it's more than a month really. By the time you can finish the Super Bowl, you've got it, you're a month out from the end of the regular season. So that to me would be an issue. I guess if it's the same for everybody, maybe that sort of couches it a bit, but it's kind of a sticky wicket that they're gonna have to deal with. But I guess to the point, I, I've always thought that it was unfair the way they did that because these coaches just weren't available to give it their full attention. I think um one thing there, one thing that you said there was interesting, and I think it's um, you look at the teams that will have a chance to hire a new coach. Why are they in the situation that they're in? Because they 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 screwed things up. So I think in in a way you could kind of penalize them with, hey, you're you're gonna have to wait. If you if things didn't work out, you know, a certain way, then you're gonna have to wait a little bit. I I, I kind of am, am in the boat with you that listen, don't penalize the teams that are good. Because, you know, you're trying to help out, you know, teams that are trying to figure it out. Listen, I, there's no perfect way to do it, but to, to your point, I, I think it's kind of, you know, unbelievable that a guy like Eric Bietemi and especially like a Todd Bowles, who obviously didn't have a great first run with the Jets, I guess, obviously there was different circumstances, but to have a performance like that in the Super Bowl or a Leslie Frazier performance against the Ravens and then not to get one of these jobs and to see some of the names that do get the jobs. I mean, Dave Cauley, no disrespect to the guy, but like, I still kind of sit back and kind of roll my eyes a little bit and like, what, what are they seeing in that interview? Because I don't get it. There, there is no doubt in my mind that he is the ultimate sacrificial lamb, right? They looked at their situation and I think they truly believed, look, let's just get some guy in here for a couple of years. We're, we're going to be terrible. Let's just turn this over to somebody to get us through a couple of years and let's move on and find the guy we really want. When, when McDermott hired David Cully, you guys, I don't know what you guys thought of that, but this was a receivers coach his whole career. And all of a sudden he's in charge of coaching the bills quarterbacks. I mean, I, I didn't get that from day one that he was in charge of the bills quarterbacks. Now to get this job as the head coach of the Houston Texans, he wasn't even a coordinator. Was he right? He's never been a coordinator in the NFL. No. I don't think. Right. right. So, yeah, I, I, it really looked to me that that was like a sacrificial lamb situation. Let's just pay this guy way below market value. value. 
we're going to go whatever, two and 14 the next two years, maybe. And then we'll fire him and get another guy in here. You know, Matt, you kind of touched upon it and Sal, you did too. The only thing that I think that that proposal might not pass is because the, when you're in this situation, when, when you fire someone, you have to hire someone, you have to look at your, your current roster. You have to look at your free agents. You have to figure out these upcoming free agents that are going to hit the market. There's not a lot of time. So would the NFL push back free agency if you push back uh, the, the coaching search and when they can hire guys? Because then you're putting these other teams, uh, you're making them scramble, so to speak. They have to make decisions on options. They have to make a, a lot of tough decisions quickly in that situation. So I like the proposal. I, I would like to see it pass, but I also think the NFL would have to come up with some answers because I don't know if there would be enough time between the hiring process and, and even scouting some of these players are going to be in the draft. I don't know if you'd have enough time necessarily to feel comfortable uh, in that regard either. I quite frankly think the NFL should change a lot of things about their offseason schedule. Um, you know, I, I think a good start would be this coaching situation. You push that process back a month. Push everything back. What's the rush? Why, why do teams have to be concerned about free agency and the draft at the very same time? Why not spread that out a little bit? You move it into the further into the spring, right? Get the free agency going maybe at the end of March, early April. Do the draft in early to mid-May. Look, if anything was proven by this pandemic, guys, and I think you'll I think you'll both agree with me because I've been saying this for 25 years. Well, it hasn't been going on 25 years, 15 years, say. These OTAs and mini camps and all this BS is exactly that. It's ridiculous that all these players have to be in their facility for two months in the offseason. These guys proved this year they don't need all that. They were able to get ready for the season on their own, come to training camp, do the work. They didn't even have preseason games, and they were ready to go. So I think you wipe out all but, you know, back in the days, the Super Bowl days, the Bills had a rookie mini camp, and they had a veteran three-day mandatory camp. That was it. That was their offseason. Those guys were on their own to make sure they were ready to go in training camp. I don't know how we got to this point with all these paranoid wacko coaches that have to get these guys under their thumb for two months of the offseason. It's the only sport that has an offseason like this. I say you get rid of it because these guys proved they don't need it. No, I think that, that's a valid point. We have a question for you uh, from Gary Putty. What is What are your thoughts on the Bills and what they will do with salary cap cuts and free agents? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've all talked about the same guys that they probably were going to move on from, right? John Brown being number one. It's a what? It's a nine million dollars savings, I think, if they if they cut him. Um, I'm not on board. I, I know some of you guys over in Buffalo have said they ought to cut Mitch Morris and save the money. I'm not on board with that at all. I don't know why you would open up the center position. Yeah, you, you might get John Feliciano back. I assume they're going to do that. But why would you open up a gaping hole then by getting rid of Mitch Morris? You could restructure that contract and keep him. I still think he's a good player. Um, there's a couple other guys they can cut, obviously, Butler and Jefferson, who you guys mentioned. They could free up – what was the number, guys? It, it was probably easily 20 to $25 million that they could do with a couple – three or four moves that we all think are probably worthwhile. So they will have some space and I think they will restructure some guys. So I'm not thinking that Bean's going to go into free agency with no cards to play. I think he's going to manage to do some things. It'll just be a matter of uh, uh, quality, I guess, not so much quantity. 
where are you at with the John Brown piece? Because there's like a, you know, a couple of ideas floating out there, whether it be, you know, restructuring him and maybe giving him a multi-year deal kind of in line with what he might be able to command on the open market and pushing a little bit of it, you know, over the course of a multi-year deal and easing the, the cap hit this year or just moving on completely. And, you know, for me, I'm a little bit more in the camp of moving on completely just because I think of the depth that they have at that position now. I mean, yeah. If you bring back John Brown, even in a, even if the cap wasn't an issue, right? You bring back John Brown, so you have the same kind of crew going in. Let's say they bring back Isaiah McKenzie on a team-friendly deal as well. How are you getting Isaiah Hodgins on the field without an injury? That's right. I, I'm fully on board with moving on with Brown. Look, he's been an injured player really for a couple of years now. He's had, he had injuries in 2019, too. He's a declining player, and they proved they could play without him. I mean, they got rolling in the second half when he was on the sidelines. If you remember, after the Arizona game, they really got rolling on offense there, and they played well. Gabriel Davis stepped in. So I think you're right about Hodgins. I'm curious to see what he's going to be able to bring, and I think he'll be able to go after having the year off. Davis slides into the number two. Um, they, are, they, do, they are going to need some guy, though, with some speed, right? I mean, they do lack speed. Diggs is a great player, one of the best receivers in the league. But he's not really a burner. We know uh, Gabriel Davis is not, even though he had a pretty nice um, deep game. He did catch some deep balls. And Cole Beasley's not that guy. So they're going to need some speed, and they would lose that if they get rid of Brown. But that's just too much money to save. I mean, $9 million, they could really use that money. And I, I think he's a declining player. Yeah, I think that's well said. Uh, and if you look at the speed, there, there are some guys out there, even uh, – if it's someone that you're going to play limited reps, you could bring back a Kenny Stills. And I know he has an injury history too throughout his career, but he was on the practice squad for quite a while. Uh, at the end of the season, he probably knows the system pretty decently at this point. You don't necessarily need someone that's going to step in and take in a, a boatload of the snaps because you do want to get Gabriel Davis more snaps in his second year. You want to get Isaiah Hodgins on the field. You can obviously... Uh, even go the draft route if you want to get some speed because there'll be guys in the middle rounds. And uh, as as we saw this year, you know, Brendan Bean hit on Gabriel Davis. So why couldn't he, you know, repeat again and find a speed option that could come in and contribute from day one? Yep. Let's move, you know, speaking of the offense, let's move to the quarterback a little bit here because another hot topic, hot button topic this offseason has been Josh Allen's extension. And there was a report that came out. Um, right before the season had ended, I think it was Ian Rappaport that said that the Bills, you know, were 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 definitely going to try and get it done this offseason. I, I I think there's a few pieces to this obviously that we can dive into, but I guess just to start off the top, is this the time to do it? Is this cap situation that they're in? Is this something that gives you pause if you are in that camp? Where do you kind of yeah. sit? It, it it does give me pause because they don't necessarily need to do it, right? I mean, they just mm -hmm. don't have to do it. If this was a regular year where the cap was going to be 220 and you knew it was going to go up from there, then I would say, yeah, because you're probably going to save money in the long run. The sooner you do it, the more money you're going to save. So I understand that argument. But what worries me, and, and we talk about this with Josh Allen for three years, how the Bills have been fortunate that they've had a quarterback on a rookie deal and it's opened up so much more money to you know, upgrade the roster. Well, now you've got to maintain that roster. And if you're going to, if you're going to pile $40 million a year into Josh Allen, that's, that's an impactful contract on what they can do with the rest of the team. And like I said, especially in a year when they're so strapped for cash uh, for cap space, 
it would be my hunch that they should not do it this year and obviously exercise the fifth year option and start working on the extension during the season. I mean, tell them, look, Josh, this is a bad year to be doing this. You're our guy. We're going to pay you a boatload of money, but just be patient. That would be my approach, but I'm sure his agent is not going to be happy with that decision and they're going to push for the extension. The, the extension so interesting because you, you get this one year was so phenomenal for Josh Allen and rightfully so he's, he's earned a lot of money, but I also am interested in this kind of side conversation about what you're doing by investing after three years and one great, great, great season. How much is, does a Carson Wentz maybe paint a cautionary picture in this kind of scenario that, you know, as, as good as he was and as he seems to be like the kind of player that no matter what is going to try to figure it out. Like I, I do notice a difference in disposition between Josh and Carson Wentz. I don't know. I'm not in the room. I'm not covering him the same way. So I don't want to speak too much on it. Um, but how much concern do you have about locking him up long-term or are you in the, in the camp that if you can do it, lock him up long-term because you saw enough? Yeah, well, look, you're right. The, the one-year wonder is always a concern, right? But but the thing with Allen that I like is that he's shown very definite progress from year one to year two to three to year three. It's an ascending line, so that's good. Now, the cautionary tales, are, as you said, are Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. And I just thought, you know, those guys, that was a lot of money to give those two players. And if, if I'm looking at those three guys, Josh Allen and those two, there's no doubt in my mind who the best player is. Josh Allen has by far the best skill set of those three guys. I think he's got even more potential moving forward than those two guys do. So I would be less worried if I'm the Bills about giving him the big money as I would have been if I was the Rams or the Eagles giving Wentz and Goff the money. I thought that was that was crazy money for two guys who really hadn't done it over much of it. Wentz had the one good year. He was a good rookie year. He had the great second year, and then he got hurt. And then Goff had, I think, one really good year, too. Josh Allen's had one great year, but I think there's more of that coming. I really do. And I think I would be less of a risk for the Bills to do it than the Rams or the Eagles to do it. And, and Seth, what are your thoughts on the backup quarterback job? Obviously, Matt Barkley's a free agent. Jake Fromm, we have no idea where he's at in his development because he was kind of hit, hidden away this year. Um, is it? okay just to bring back Barkley into the mix because he knows the system? Should the Bills be looking for an upgrade from Barkley, but without breaking the bank, someone that would be comparable salary-wise? Yeah, I mean, to me, that is a concern because, look, the Bills got very fortunate this year. Allen played, well, really the last two years, he's played the complete season, and you wonder when the odds are going to catch up to him, especially the way he plays. And I, quite frankly, I mean, Matt Barkley's a good guy, but I just don't see if, if Allen was going to miss – four or five games. I think that would be a treacherous situation for the Bills. I don't think Matt Barkley is up to the up to the task. I really don't think Jake Fromm is ever going to be that guy. I was surprised they even – I understood why they drafted him, but I wasn't really ever thinking that he'd be the guy. Um, so, yeah, I would – if I'm the Bills, I would definitely, you know, I would definitely look to see who's out there. I wouldn't be satisfied with Matt Barkley again just because you're playing the odds. And at some point, you're not going to have Josh Allen – for maybe a stretch of games, and it could be season-changing if that happens. Let me get your thoughts on this before we get you out of here. Um, where where do things stand with, you know, in, 
you know, even if you don't have any intel on it, just your thoughts on the potential of training camp returning to Rochester this year. I know it's such a weird year, and I mean, projecting anything that's going to happen over the next couple months in the, in the NFL or the the world, for that matter, is difficult. Um, but I just get back to thinking, like, I it would it would it would suck not to have training camp again this year in Rochester. And I know we've been on this path to maybe it going away because of what they built in Buffalo, but I think that that as a real sweet piece of this thing, just being back on the beat for three years and being away from the city for a long time. And that two week period where we're all in Rochester like that, it would suck to lose it. Yeah, I agree. It would suck for me. <laughs> I like, <laughs> I like driving 15 minutes over to training camp. It was nice for a while, but yeah, I, I, I do worry about it. Look, I think the contract runs out after 2021, I think, and maybe it's 2022, but it's, it's definitely upon us. Um, and I would think, again, with this pandemic, we're not quite sure where we're going to stand in July. It wouldn't surprise me at all because they've got the easy out there to say, well, we don't want to do it. We're not ready to bring a full boat of fans in there. And it would be an easy situation for them to walk away from this year. So it's not going to surprise me at all if they conduct their training camp over at the stadium. And then down the road, look, McDermott and Bean have been saying right along, they love getting away and this and that. But you guys, you guys are as smart as I am, I think. All the things they've done over at the stadium, that workout room, they've upgraded those practice fields. That's all being done for down the road, having the whole the whole show right at the stadium. So I, I don't think Rochester is going to be in their future plans. Um, I know it, you know, there will be a lot more smiles around the mayor on a household as you know, baseball is back. Uh, here in the next couple of weeks, Miles, if you see me on Twitter, <laughs> when I'm watching baseball, at least for a day, opening day, I would imagine we'll, we'll see some smiles. But let everybody know where they can find your work and obviously some other projects that you have going on. Yeah, I mean, Twitter, Sal Mayorana, my name, and then uh, Democrat and is where I do all the uh, my main bills work. And then I've got my own website, Sal which is all history. Um, that's really, really what I enjoy doing the most. I love doing all that stuff. So I've got fresh content, um, all sports every day on that site. And that's been a lot of fun. So uh, people can check that out. You can actually, you can join uh, the group. You can, there's a free app that comes with it, with the website. So it's a pretty cool little deal. It's all free. Um, so I've got that, but yeah, my bill's coverage obviously is DNC, uh, Democrat and So people know it's 30 some years, Matt, they, they should be able to find me. I think at this point, if they can't find me by now, then it's not worth even searching for me. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. We'll have you again. We'll have you on again before the start of the season. We need a little bit more sale in our life. Uh, thanks for making some time in. All right, guys, have a good night. Take care. All right, we're moving right along, and this is this is kind of like a, the, our next guest here. You know, th this was the the genesis of the All Star Rochester edition. We're gonna get him into. The the shout sports bar, if you will, here, Mr. Danger no, no, and Batagia. Listen, let me tell you something. My co-host is rude and thoughtless. I can't believe he invited himself to the cool kids party without you know no regard. He just said, "Hey, why haven't you had any of us on your your fancy podcast?" And here we are. Look, I'm happy to be here. God, humble to be here when, when we we have to follow up Sal. I mean, a legend like Sal, but you know, it's all because of Gene being rude and thoughtless and wedging his foot in the door that he really didn't need to do. It kicked open the door to your party. 
It's Apologize for that. Me danger. I can't. I can't help it. I, I've I've watched the podcast. I enjoy the. Po- it's perfectly named. These guys grind, and this is this is fun. Why who wouldn't want to be a part of this? Don't double dip when you're in this uh, in this podcast, Gino. That's the kind of thing you would do. You would invite yourself to the party, and then you would double dip. You would uh, put your chip in the dip twice, or your wing in the in the blue cheese twice. Come on. Our goal so, is to be invited back here. So yeah, okay. you will be. You will be. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the energy. I knew you're going to bring it. Um, no, we love coming on ESPN Rochester. And yeah, I was telling Sal, who gave me a hard time about the fact that I, this is the first time I've had him on. Um, and I told him. Doing the podcast is, I'm sure you guys know, I mean, I can't imagine in the radio world, like the the pressure of having to line up guests every day. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's been an unbelievable addition to the workload, but it's enjoyable because I do like the, the platform that we're on and having a podcast and a way to kind of, you know, interact with fans on a different level. I really like it, but you know, you, you guys are on the show and I, and I feel uncomfortable leading the dance. So I think in honor of, you know, the sports bar being here, take over. The shout is yours. Let's, All right. Very good. Well, we, we already went through this at uh, 425 this afternoon. <laughs> it's true. We had Talbot on. I mean, I, we asked the same questions because we prepare the same way, right? I mean – Look, you know, first of all, thank you for the kind words. And Gino does all the work. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm I'm the monkey behind the board that's pushing buttons, and and that's it. And Gino has all the takes, and and is the brains behind the operation. So I'll, you know, I'll say, Gino, if they're giving us control, I'm giving you control, buddy. Take over. What what do you want to ask these guys? Well, pick out the conversation that we, I would love to get Matt's opinion on the offensive line because if if the Bills do bring back Feliciano and Williams. I don't think people would really call that a major win. But in my opinion, uh, the worst case scenario, losing both of these guys and then having holes to fill, and you really don't know the situation with, uh, with Mitch Moore. So I ask you this question, Matt. It was the same question I asked Ryan this afternoon. Where on the pendulum do you come down right now on the Buffalo Bills offensive line? Are you, hey, this is all going to work out? everything is fine on one hand or on the other hand oh my gosh uh, you see the right tackle Feliciano tweeting out that he's a center and you know the price tag for Williams might be too much and Bucker might leave so are you worried or is this all going to work out Matt (sighs) there's a lot there and I definitely think that we're in this like murky water right now because a lot of things can change depending on one little piece that doesn't fit in and I think that you know, if you're Brandon Bean sitting there, you're you're kind of in danger of messing up a good thing. And I, I think that going into this thing, I thought that John Feliciano was the most like stamp it, like that's the one move this offseason that I think is gonna get done. And as we move through the process, and it's been a weird offseason, guys. Like what I don't feel nearly as plugged in as I did a year ago at this point because you're just not having the same conversations. We weren't down in uh, Indianapolis, which, you know, was a great experience for me last year. I felt like, you know, getting arriving at the beat and kind of have starting to have those conversations and develop those relationships. I came a long way. And so I feel a little disconnected, but I will say that, you know, from what I'm hearing right now, there's nothing that's like a slam dunk dunk gonna happen i mean there could be a situation where matt milano's not back daryl williams is not back and john feliciano's not back and then you got to figure out where you're going to go from there and i think to your point if that is the case you know i noticed something today you know you mentioned john feliciano tweeting tweeting getting a little active the last two days and i as he's kind of 
getting ramped up in free agency here. I'm sure that we're going to start to see more things fly, which is going to be fun. I love guys like him. And not only like, because, you know, he's a big MMA fan, but you know, just it'll interact with fans a little bit. He tweeted out the, uh, the award um, today, um, the Ed Block award. Uh, he received it. And I noticed one particular person that retweeted it. And it's a person that barely ever goes on social media. I mean, if you follow Josh Allen's social media accounts, he just doesn't do a lot of stuff. Some ads, some some little things here and there. John Feliciano means something to Josh Allen. So if he's not back in the mix next year, I really wonder what the impact is there and what kind of message that sends in the locker room. Because I think you can get away with Matt Milano because of, listen, he priced himself out at the worst possible time. But if Feliciano goes and signs somewhere to be that team center and Mitch Morse doesn't, if that's the case, I mean, there's no inside knowledge there. Mitch Morse comes back next year. He better be the $10, $11 million center that you signed him to be. Yeah, I agree with that. And now, guys, one thing that we really like about this show is we get some fan interaction. So there is a question here that I'd like both of you to answer, especially after J.J. Watt watch. Uh, do you believe the Bills will make a play for a player like Trey Hendrickson, Carl Lawson, or Big Cat? Uh, also, is there a belief at one Bills drive that Knox will be the starter come week one? Now, I don't know if any of us have any inside intel on Knox, but What's your opinion on Dawson Knox? Does he does he deserve another shot to be the guy? Do they need to bring in a veteran? Uh, and then also the defensive end question. Love, love, love Carl Lawson. And I think with J.J. Watt and his ego out of the picture, Carl Lawson should be the guy that's right in the crosshairs. I love Carl Lawson. Now, as far as Knox goes, I, I might be in the minority, and I know you can't win a championship on potential, but I, I still like Knox. I mean, if if – if him dropping the ball is the biggest issue with his offensive playmaking ability, you can get behind the jugs machine and, and improve that. If, if, if it's not him being physical enough and being able to block, then, you know, let's get him a little bit bigger. Let's, let's get him in the weight room. Let's, let's get him to size up a little bit. We see tight ends in the NFL need a couple of years to kind of get seasoned and grow. And, and all that being said, when Kyle Rudolph got released, released, it was like, Hmm, that might be a kind of like a mentor kind of guy that you would bring in. And, and if there was one guy that's a free agent that I would want the bills to target this off season, it's Johnu Smith, because that guy solves all of your problems and he's the kind of playmaker. I got I a Johnu Smith hot take for you, danger. Tell me. I hate, I hate to interrupt, but no, I want to hear it. I, I, we love, we love takes in the sports bar, Perino. You know this. We, I want your take. I, I I've, I've kind of been like, really lukewarm on Jonu Smith. And I keep kind of telling myself like, what's the deal here? Like he, I was listening to Evan Silva today. He does his, he did his free agency podcast and you know, they, they talked about it on the show about he had production at college. He just hasn't been in a, you know, the fit in the offense in Tennessee. They just don't ask him to do a lot, but I'm concerned about the price tag on a Jonu Smith. Not to say that, you know, if he does get himself a big time deal, you know, $10 million a year, if the market calls for it, I mean, you know, I don't think the Bills are going to be in the running for that either. But I just am concerned in an offense where you still have the lion's share of the targets going elsewhere to pay that kind of money to a guy that's going to come in here and be in a kind of a similar situation where he's not going to get the looks to kind of put up the numbers that would warrant that kind of contract. Well, you heard Brandon Bean say it at the end of the year, right? Like teams and defenses aren't aren't worried about the Bills' tight end. It's, it's not like right. Travis Kelsey is out there. So a playmaker like that, changes the game and and maybe you do get more targets because you know how to utilize him in the passing game if you're if you're Brian Dable you find a way to to make him involved get him involved right and you I think you tried 
with Knox throughout the course of the season, either he wasn't healthy or COVID or, uh, you know, he just dropped the ball. And so that might've been some of the frustration that we heard Brandon Bean talking about at the end of the season in, in Tennessee, you know, they haven't utilized John o. Smith. They haven't utilized AJ Brown. They don't need to, they have Derek Henry. So they're a run first mm. team. And, you know, we know that the bills aren't that at least the 2020 bills weren't that. So. Right. Yeah, for that right. reason, Gene, what do you think? About John. Yeah, for that reason, I would be concerned about Jonu Smith, where he's coming from an offense where if you're an opposing linebacker, you're concerned about Jonu Smith or stopping Derrick Henry. I, I, to me, that would be <laughs> priority number one. I like Dawson Knox. I think Dawson Knox entering year three is going to be kind of on that same expectation level that, okay, well, would Josh Allen take that step in year three? Year three for a pro to me is the year to to prove it, that you're going to be something in this league. And to me, the tight end position is one of the more difficult ones in this league uh, to, to get down. It's not like the running back position between route trees and finding your place and becoming a better blocker. I don't think Dawson Knox's rookie season was a good blocker at all. Um, we had a uh, former Ravens, uh, he's commentating on the Ravens. He was the uh, Redskins GM for a while, Vinnie on our show. And he told us point blank that Dawson Knox cannot block. Well, that was two years ago, and I thought he did a better job this year. I would bring back Dawson Knox, but certainly you've got to get more competition in there. I don't know if the Bills can afford Johnu Smith, but here's what I know, that there are going to be a lot of tight ends out there. I just saw the, t- you know, before we went on, the Saints released uh, two tight ends tonight. So, with all of these free agents, these cap casualties around the league, I would expect more competition at that position. You need a good second tight end in this offense. Are you, and I'll throw this to Ryan, are you, because you're high on Johnny Smith too. You had him in your article um, where you kind of laid out the off season. What's the difference between say, I guess here's the, my biggest hesitation. What's the difference between an Eric Ebron who signed the big deal in 2018 at 25 years old and, you know, kind of showed some sparks and had some issues. Hasn't really gone on to be the production. The production hasn't necessarily been there. What's the difference? Wait, if you think Dawson Knox drops passes, let's get Ebron into the mix. Woo! <laughs> uh, I mean, drops are, are a big concern with Ebron, but I, I just think Johnny Smith is actually an all-around tight end. The yards after catch after catching the ball, that's something huge that he would bring to this offense. Uh, blocking, he's exceptional as a blocker. It, but going back to the yards after catch, it was two years ago that Bill Belichick was just raving about him being the, the best tight end in the league in terms of what he does with the ball in his hands after the catch. And, and that's kind of what you need in this offense. How many times do we see Stefan Diggs catch the ball, turn up field and make a play? And Cole Beasley, you know, Josh Allen's improved by leaps and bounds, but it's also because these wide receivers can one, get open and two, make something happen after the play. So John U. Smith adds something to that. He adds that blocking element. He gives you some versatility in the offense to run more 12 personnel, get them both on the field. And then all of a sudden, Dawson Knox, he's almost the forgotten man, so to speak, in terms of not for the Bills, but opposing defenses. He's going to be no attention on him, attention on Stefan Diggs, on Beasley, on Jonu Smith. And then you can let those athletic traits run wild, and hopefully he gets open in the middle of the field. And then all of a sudden, you're really clicking on all cylinders, and maybe you don't need to address the loss of a John Brown uh, because you have these weapons now in the tight end game. Gene, I know you got something cooking over there. I can see you. <laughs> well, I, I I guess as I'm looking towards free agency, here would be my wish. My wish is this uh, for the Buffalo Bills, that you don't want to be entering the draft 
knowing, hey, we've got to fill a spot at right tackle, or hey, we lost Matt Milano, but we didn't get in another position. To me, having your 11 starters on defense and your 11 starters on offense, that's paramount because at number 30, I know my partner is one of those driving the train for ETN. I'd be fine with best play available at this point, but um, if – if the Bills end up losing two offensive linemen to free agency and they don't have the answers and they feel pressure at, at number 30, that that's not the position you want to be in. I mean, even if they re-sign Darryl, one of Daryl Williams or John Feliciano, I think offensive line probably still is in play because even if they re-sign Ike Butker, I mean, there's serious questions about Cody Ford at this point. Like, I'm, I'm in the camp with what Brandon Bean was saying and giving him the benefit of the doubt for the fact that the first two years have been very injury riddled. And that could probably impact you alongside all the kind of musical chairs that he's had to play. But if he's not the answer, you're going to need an answer at one of those spots. If you don't bring back Feliciano or worst case scenario, you don't bring back Darrell Williams. Don't address it in the draft. Now you're talking about throwing Cody Ford back out to tackle again. Yeah, I think we just don't know what we have with Ford. I mean, you know, we haven't seen enough of him in any one position uh, except for maybe his rookie year. I I mean, they drafted the guy because of his versatility, and I know that that versatility is going to come into play when it comes down to them making a final decision on what that starting line looks like for 2021. I was kind of waiting for Ryan to take it over. No, we, I, I was going to. We usually have we usually have a like an outline for these shows, but this was such a mammoth beast tonight. We were just like, you know what? We're just <laughs> going to go with it. We're just gonna. We're not going to set it up too much because I wanted to see where the conversation was going to take us. And I knew once we got to you guys, it would get it would get real uh, real flowy out here. So go ahead, Ryan. Well, uh, you know, at, at pick thirty, going back to to Gene's point about the draft, I think the Bills are in a spot not only to go best player available, but to also look at their roster and say, if there's a, a player at position X, Y, or Z where we're already allocating a lot of money, and this guy's either our top player on the board or it, it's neck and neck, maybe they have to, maybe they should go with that position. So, cornerback, you're already investing a lot of money in, in Trey White. People aren't talking about cornerback a lot, but the the Bills, do you want to depend on Levi Wallace again? Do you really want to depend on Dane Jackson with such a small sample size? I know Brendan Bean gushed about him on the recent podcast in terms of he made plays news on the field. He stopped short of saying the guy's going to be a superstar. Uh, but you, you need something there that that you feel long-term could be the answer. And if you get the right guy at cornerback number two on a rookie deal, when Trey White's deal is coming up, then you can pay him. And it works the same at right tackle. You're paying yeah. Deion Dawkins big money. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily go linebacker there uh, just because I, I know that in a year or two, you're going to be paying Trey at uh, Tremaine Edmonds big money, but that's a little bit different. You can get linebackers. I feel relatively cheap. If you're not looking for those superstar types, you can, you can find fits for your defense, but you do have to start thinking almost long-term here too, with roster building, knowing Josh Allen's going to get that money. We need to have that money spaced out by position. So maybe this is the year to, Pull the trigger on a, a right tackle if the right one is there at 30. I tell you, Ryan said that you said that to us uh, on our show a few weeks ago. And ever since you said that, I, I can't stop thinking about it because it makes so much sense. And uh, given how NFL rosters are built and how Brandon Bean has kind of built this roster, looking for value and finding those diamonds in the rough and trying to, you know, find guys that can play uh, opposite 
the guy that is making that money makes so much sense. It makes me a little less high on the, the prospect of them getting a dynamic playmaker on either side of the ball at 30, like at, at Travis Etienne. But, uh, you know, I still think that depending on how free agency goes, I mean, if, if they, if they go into the draft at 30, for me, it's, it's getting a guy who can change the course of a game on one play. And it could be a guy on the defensive side of the ball as well. I just don't know that that, that guy exists with, with pick 30 and he very well may exist. If, if a Travis Etienne or a Najee Harris is still there at 30 for the Bills. No, valid, absolutely valid point, because the one thing that you saw after that Chiefs game is they needed more playmakers, yep. especially uh, on offense, but also from the edge rusher. And like you said, are you going to get a, a difference maker at number 30? There's been some cases where you find some gems late in the first round or early second round, but more times than not, it, it's a developmental process. Um, I want to change gears here, but before we do, we have another question here, so I'll bring it up. Um, if if uh, the question's from Mary, if we lose Feliciano, Ike, and Williams, who would be the answer on the O-line? What free agents? Well, I tweeted out today, the, the Las Vegas Raiders moved on from Gabe Jackson, I uh, believe former third-round pick. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan. It might have been second-round pick. Um, but he is somebody that you know has connections, and we know how – Brandon Bean kind of taps into his coaching staff when it comes to kind of trying to find guys. He might be an upgrade over like an Ike Butker or, you know, better competition for a Cody Ford, no matter what you do on the, on, on the offensive line. I think um, he's definitely in play. He's somebody that I think could come in here and, and probably be one of your best five. And you could probably get him on a, you know, a similar kind of Quentin Spain type of contract, which those are the kind of contracts that Brandon Bean's probably going to be looking for. And I tell you what, the name that might be available to the Buffalo Bills might not be a free agent at this very moment, given what we've right. kind of heard. Uh, and and when the league year starts, the kind of uh, bloodshed that there will be with every team that's out there. I think that's where Brandon Bean does the majority of his shopping, looking for guys that are just going to be looking to work and guys that have a good track record and guys that fit the culture. You'll have a wider uh, selection to choose from once the league year gets underway and teams start cutting guys because of uh, the, the decrease in salary cap. I want to get to an AFC East topic real quick, but before we do, I have to address Danger's uh, tagline there, J.J. Watt's ego. Let's dive into this whole aftermath of this thing because, you know, <laughs> I felt weird about doing it because it, it felt kind of like a, you know, just poking the wounds a little bit. I was tweeting out some some comments from J.J. Watt at his introductory press conference, and he, of course, brought up, you know, DeAndre Hopkins uh, infamous now, or, uh, just unbelievable, notorious, I should say, um, Hail Mary grab. And it's nice to have a guy like that on your team. And we know that they play together in Houston, you know, a couple things you could kind of construe as JJ Watt being a dick the last couple, uh, <laughs> of days. And I think that, you know, I, I see what you have written there. What's the takeaway from the JJ Watt extravaganza that's, that's happened the last couple of weeks now. I don't know. I mean, a lot of Bills fans, I think, kind of feel this wide range of emotion. And whenever a free agent gets signed, like we know this to be true, right? If the free agent gets signed to your team, you're excited and you can't wait. If the free agent doesn't sign to your team, that other team's paying way too much for him anyways. We didn't right. want him anyways, right? And that's what everybody said. We, you know, oh, he's in Arizona. Not our problem. Good. We would all have taken him if, if he came to Buffalo. We would have welcomed him with open arms. But because he's going to Arizona, eh, you know, who cares? Too much money. Um, but the thing that, that I think was interesting and, and one of the guys that we, we work with, uh, Duffy, who we, you guys have probably talked to before, um, from CMF. He's the guy that you, he, you just tweeted at him, FOH. I saw that. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so 
we love having we love talking to Duffy because he's super fan one, but two, I mean, like he's a really knowledgeable fan and he has great takes. And his thing was he was never a guy that wanted JJ Watt. And we were curious about that. Like, why? Why, why wouldn't you want a guy who's a future Hall of Famer? Why wouldn't you want a guy who could bring this kind of like he's like, we don't need that anymore. This organization is good. We're beyond needing to sign a Mario Williams for for or or uh, uh Terrell Owens because we need to be relevant or we're trying to to get on a spotlight. This team is beyond that now. And furthermore, there's pretty good evidence that the guy is a fraud. Like, you know, yes, he's very giving to the community and he's a Walter Payton man of the year winner. And and all of that is great. And, and, but more than anything, is he not just about his brand himself more than anything? I mean, if, you know, he was trolling us during his time as a free agent there, I mean, that kind of validates that point. So, after having a conversation with him, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of with you. I'm out on this guy. We don't need JJ Watt. We can find somebody that's better. We can find a Carl Lawson or we can pay for a, a Carl Lawson to get better value and better production out of a guy who's younger, who from what we hear, some of the reports we hear out of Houston, JJ Watt, not really a team first guy, maybe a little bit of a me first guy on the field, maybe a little bit of a stat chaser. I mean, like these are all things that seem very unbills like unprocessed like. And, and maybe those reports aren't real because let's face it, Houston is completely dysfunctional, but you know, it would have been nice if the bills got him. Sure. But are we going to be fine without? Yeah. I think we're more than fine without him. We have better options. Gene, what do you I'm, think? I'm giving you the, I'm giving you the floor, <laughs> Gene. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think danger's wrong here. First and foremost, that, uh, you know, certainly, <laughs> The, the money was too much and can kind of hammer me like a tw 20 million. I don't think we're paying, but come on. Uh, the, the, the pass rush in the AFC championship game, you know that you had to improve there. And it's a very short list as far as would have been available that you could bring in. So not having JJ Watt in Buffalo is not a good thing. There was also a secondary benefit. His name is AJ Epineza. I would have loved to have somebody like AJ Epineza learn from J.J. Watt under him. So yeah. I, I think that not having J.J. Watt here was not a good thing, but now it kind of puts some pressure on. How many guys got better because of J.J. Watt. Watt playing with them? Like, it was was there a guarantee that J.J. Watt was going to be this great mentor to A.J. Epineza, or was he going to look at A.J. Epineza as a threat and, and a threat to his stats? I mean, we don't know the kind of player, the kind of guy he actually is. We believe that he's still a good player, but, I, you know, if you believe some of those reports... Yeah, he probably wouldn't have been that great of a mentor for AJ Epinesa, anyways. <laughs> I, I did find the whole lead up to the to the uh, revealing the Arizona Cardinals yep. were interesting. The fact that he ordered five different shirts, had his buddy order it with his credit card because he was so nervous. But you can tell he did enjoy this free agent process with just the random tweets, the random yeah. pictures, because then there were clues that were being. Uh, our fans were thinking there were clues in the pictures, which obviously there weren't because no one was on the, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, not even the betting sites had them as one of the favorites or even on the board on a lot of them. So he, he definitely had fun with it. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out because if the Cardinals don't make the playoffs, you know, there's going to be a lot of fans saying, well, I thought you wanted to win a championship. That's what you were saying after the release. Uh, or, or did you just want one more payday? And maybe in three years from now, then – uh, you're you're joining a team. You're trying to to get that ring in your last year, last two years. But you look at it and you do wonder how much of it really was. I want to win a championship because there were there were legitimate contenders that 
supposedly or reportedly, I shouldn't say certainly, uh, reportedly wanted his services, and he decided to go to a team that went eight and eight and absolutely collapsed after what was it, a six and three start? Yeah, it's never about the wins. Always follow the money. It's always about the money. As much as they say, I want to win a championship, I want to be in a good. You want money. Arizona gave him a really good package with guaranteed money, and he's going to have a six or seven win season in the desert. They're not the they're at best they're the third best team in the NFC West, and he doesn't make them that much better. That defense, aside from Buda Baker, still has a lot of need, uh, and I don't know how much extra he brings to that defense. So they're a seven win team in my opinion at best. And you know, for us to to buy into, hey, he wants to play for a contender. No, he doesn't. He wants to play for the team that's going to make him the best deal. I think it's funny, like the the eventual tweet source me as kind of like a shot at you know the the chaos that's happened around JJ Watt the last couple of weeks, which I think he's kind of stoked those fires. And I always kind of think it's funny when players you know, kind of get, you know, into that kind of side of it because it's like they like it when it's, you know, you know, maybe driving up the price a little bit and getting all these reports out here. And I think that brings us back to the initial point here. We don't, to Ryan's point, we don't know what J.J. Watt actually wanted. These were just all reports coming out from different people that are, you know, apparently or supposedly plugged in. Who really knows if we're quarterback, right? I'll tell you right now, if quarterback was in the top three, J.J. Watt, fail free agency because listen, I like Kyler Murray. I think that the future could be super bright. And honestly, I even said this on our, our reaction podcast. I, I like the chance that Watt's taking here that he takes a step from year two to year three. But if you take the last eight games of last year and the, the downward trend that that Arizona Cardinals team and offense took last season, you didn't make this decision based on the quarterback. Don't don't mix he fell things apart. up. Here. The guy completely fell apart. He's he he got beat up and he was injured, and he didn't have uh, he didn't have the the stamina to make it through the entire season. I mean, the, the end of the season they folded like a cheap table, man. They just were not. They're not the real deal. And I'm not sure about Cliff Kingsbury either. I think they're a six seven win team at best third in that division. Hmm. Gene, let everybody know where they, before I get you guys out of here, where they can find you. Somebody commented here, said, this is weird seeing you guys. Like, they're not used to seeing you. It it's was better a little that bit, they don't. It's, it's a little jarring. <laughs> but let everybody know that doesn't know where they can find you guys uh, yeah. every day. Yeah, we just got internet. Gene, guys, let me know if a uh, connection's hopping around here, too. Um, three, <laughs> three to six. Uh, weekday afternoons in Rochester on 95.7 FM and 9.50 AM ESPN Rochester. Uh, you can find us on the radio.com app. So that's free to download. And then you just search out ESPN Rochester. And the cool thing about that app is that you've, you've hit it here at three to six, you're busy at work. Um, you just hit the rewind button. So it's basically on demand. So if you want to listen to it at night or in the next morning, so every day, we do it live three to six, and then you can go 24 hours in the radio.com app. Danger, I fully expect you to open tomorrow's show with a rant about Gene forcing his way on the show and then having internet issues. I, I expect that <laughs> to be the guy that you inv you don't want in the party. He invites himself to the party. And then when he <laughs> invites himself to the party, he takes a big he makes a big mess. Like he he, he passes out or he throws up on your new rug, and you're like Get this guy out of here. I didn't even want him at the party. He doesn't have a good internet connection where he's at. What's going on over there? <laughs> supposed Here's to be a the professional thing. facility. My God. 
here's the thing. We did want you at the party, both yes, of you. Yes, we this did. This has been an awesome segment. We're going to have you on again soon. You bring the energy every time. We love coming on your show. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. Later. All right. So we're going to move right along here. Um, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we got a bit of a uh, marathon tonight. Uh, Rochester um, all-star edition of the show. Uh, it's been fun so far, Ryan. Yeah, I've had a great time. We have great guests, some more great guests uh, coming on here in, in the next few minutes. So, you know, more more great entertainment to come. So keep staying with us, Bills Mafia. Thanks for your support. Hello. Hello. Yo, yo, yo. What Hi. is up? I got to give you guys a quick shout out. Um, if you guys If you guys aren't following them, this is one of the premier podcasts on youtube right now you guys are crushing it absolutely crushing it we're so glad to have you on the show bring the powers together a little bit here and have some fun uh jenna cottrell dan fates the super friends exactly we've made it we made it through the entire marvel universe now and my son is absolutely obsessed um so yeah the super friends is a is a is a great little uh um example to use now Shout it out real quick. I don't want to get it wrong. Give us, give everybody the, the grand introduction, if you will. For Buffalo. For you Club, guys. Or for Where us? you're from, the, oh. the podcast, everything. Okay. I guess I'll start. Well, I'm Jenna Cottrell, as, as noted. Um, <laughs> we are a part of 13 Wham, which is the ABC Fox station here in Rochester, New York. Obviously, we cover the bills. And then we have our Buffalo Plus which is buffaloplus.com, as well as our YouTube channel, which you mentioned. And then we also have a podcast where we just literally talk all everything Buffalo Bills. So it's been a lot of fun. And it's been really fun this year, especially since the Bills had been so good. So it's definitely been something that we've really enjoyed doing. And, you know, with the team getting better, it just makes it that much better, too. Mike Catalana in the house. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sports director. What's yeah, I'm up? new. I'm new to the uh, to the beat for the Bills. Um, <laughs> I started to be before. I do believe all of you were born. Maybe <laughs> close. I don't know. Uh, I used to joke with people that I covered the Bills back when they were good, which was a good joke, like at the dinner circuit, and because the Bills, you know, weren't good for two decades. Um, but now it's fun. It's bringing back a lot of memories. I've been at 13. My first game covering the Bills was Thurman's first game. Okay, so wow. that goes back. And I uh, went through the whole Super Bowl ride. And I've been sports director for 30-plus years in Rochester. Covered a lot of games. A lot of bad ones, but a lot of great ones, too. And I got these, uh, you know, these two guys working with me. And uh, they're teaching me a lot of stuff. And we've really expanded the digital side of things, and we're having a lot of fun with it, uh, the podcast, and uh, certainly the page, and Buffalo Plus on YouTube, which was my idea along with Dan. Don't you yeah. dare. No. Might have been generous. <laughs> but, it's a hot um, topic in our newsroom. <laughs> yeah. But it's been a lot yes. of fun, and uh, I'm happy to be here, you guys. You guys are crushing it. And um, <laughs> I. it's awesome for me because this was – you know, what we've also done, it, it, it was a big passionate thing for me, you know, when I started here and it's kind of been this slow grind and to see other people doing it at a high level is super excited. Mr. Dan Fates, what's up, my friend? Not much, guys. It's happy to be here. It's like, uh, again, it, it's funny how interesting this year has been because we haven't been in locker rooms, but it, it's it, in one sense, the 
your availability of the players has been limited. So it's made our job tougher, but it's also given more access for us to do things like this. And for you guys to, you know, to have maybe more talking heads and <laughs> maybe it's more opinion based this year, more than ever, especially as the team's gotten better. So it's, it's been a different year. And as Mike said, him and I came up with this great concept of Buffalo plus and it's really <laughs> taken off. So guys, Matt, Ryan, I really appreciate you guys uh, acknowledging it. All They're of our hard work. So annoying. This is what I put up with every day. No, it is really fun though. And I feel like for the fans, it's probably been great having access to seeing those zooms and getting able to see kind of what does happen behind the scenes. But um, yeah, for us, it's definitely made it a lot more. We actually were just bickering about the JJ Watt situation on our page about uh, we had some different opinions. Opinions. Mine was uh, better than Dan's, um, but I will say it was definitely something that divided our podcast. I don't know about you guys, but it definitely was a, a source of contention between us. <laughs> so we were just talking about this with Danger and Battaglia. Are you talking about like just the 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 drama of it, the aftermath of it? What particular part? Okay, like the drama it. of it, the tweeting of it, the incessant tweeting about it, the how it like dominated the news cycle. Dan was all about it. Okay, no, so, so so this is what happened, guys. On the podcast, you can listen to buffaloplus.com. It's also on the Buffalo Plus YouTube page. Mike and Jenna are the old couple telling everybody to get off my lawn and no. just fine already. Stop no. having fun. Whereas I'm like, guys, it was something to talk about. It was awesome trying to decipher yeah. mitochondria yeah. And, yeah. And, his, and his wife eating chicken wings. And we're like, what's it going to be? I like that tweet. I liked that tweet. It was Matt, fun. Ryan, it was not awesome. It, it, here's what I said. He can have all the fun he wants. I just was like, okay, JJ. It's about JJ. Look, go to Arizona. Go take the money. Go to Arizona. It's where people go to retire. So go ahead and do that. That's kind of the way I looked at it. It was like he wanted the warm weather. He got paid. It was fine. I have no problem with him playing up the social media. I just was like, okay, fine. This is the way he's going to be. That's good. I don't think it fits with this current Bills team myself. I don't think they kind of want that. I think guys sort of earn that place. And I looked at the way Stefan did, uh, Diggs did coming in very quietly and became even more than they hoped he would be. And I'm not saying that J.J. Watt ruins everything if he comes to the Bills. No. But it's a lot about J.J. I got a little J.J.'d out in that couple of weeks when it was all about him. Mike, well, let, let's go back. Can you imagine? If Hold on, there's Jim some Kelly... kids on my lawn. I got to go yell at them again. <laughs> Mike, can you? I mean, could all of us imagine if Jim Kelly had a Twitter while he was playing and Thurman and like they were Mike? weren't those? weren't they the bickering bills? Like, they just yelled at each other. Tweeting. No, they just yelled at each other in the room. That's what Mike, they did. Mike, you would have been covering who was unfollowing and liking tweets back in the day. If there was Twitter, like, Oh, Thurman unfollowed Jim or like no, Andre you know what he didn't did? like Jim's tweet. Hey, Matt, Ryan, you know what he did? Thurman mm. went on empire sports and went after Jim. That's what he did. He's like, I don't think Jim would like anybody complaining about him. Two days later, Bill Polian's got them together in a room reading off a sheet of paper, apologizing <laughs> for going at each other. These two Hall of Famers. So that was the version of social media. It was, I think, Paul McGuire's show, maybe or one of those shows on Empire Sports uh, years ago. That's what Mike, they did. So, yeah. Mike, was that all about Jim Kelly calling out the offensive line, if I remember correctly? Howard Ballard. Yep. yep. And okay. they had played a game, and Jim took a shot, and in post game. 
He said he referenced his offensive line not doing their job, <laughs> which, you know, you think about some of that stuff. But Jim was, man, seat of the pants, man. He would just sort of say things. And this was before they really elevated. This was as they were the team rising. And uh, Thurman didn't like it. And, you know, Thurman, Thurman thought a lot about Thurman. I mean, he was that kind of guy, chip on his shoulder, massive chip on his shoulder. And he felt like, hey, Jim, you can't talk like that about one of our teammates. And he called him out. And then Polian got him together and they apologized. They laughed about it. Well, they eventually laughed about it, but they laughed about it. So, I mean, it was fun. They were a fun team. But you could get screamed at in that locker room. No doubt. No doubt. They waited Ryan. Ryan was probably more on the side of Dan, and I think I probably would have landed somewhere closer to you and Jenna just because yeah. it got to the point where I get it. Like, it was something fun. It's the offseason, like, you know, decoding all of these different tweets. But then it got to the point where, you know, he came out and announced it and said, you know, source me as if, like, not to believe all the chaos that happened. And it's like, Bro, you were creating the chaos, okay? All these <laughs> tweets that you were putting out were creating the chaos. And guess who knew that? You. So yeah. please spare me with the, you know, oh, heaven forbid all these reports coming out. Well, I'm pretty sure your people were feeding a lot of those reports. Yeah. Could, couldn't agree more with that, Matt. Like, I, you got to give him credit for not – nobody had Arizona. Like, Schefter's and Rappaport's, nobody had Arizona. So you got to give him credit for that. But – this is kind of what I've heard in whispers. And I know other people have come out now and said it that like JJ Watt is a me person and like what he did. And like we talked about in our podcast, but like what he did for Houston is incredible. And what he did in the relief and the money he raised, I'm not saying JJ Watt's a bad person at all, but I, I do have the sense and it's the vibe that I get that like JJ Watt loves him. JJ Watt. And I even go back to you. You look at the, 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 the clip of him at the end of the season, putting his arm around Deshaun Watson and is like, man, we wasted a year for you, man. Like, you don't think that was a little bit of everybody being like, look at JJ. I can't, what a great guy he is. Like, JJ does a lot of that stuff. And that's why it's the classic, like, why are you guys looking into all of my tweets? I, I don't, it was fun. He played it up. I, yeah. I give him all the credit. He's a three time defensive player of the year. He has earned the right to get the shtick. He was the only free agent on the market. Mike kind of compared it to you wanted the house because it was the only house on the market that was available. And mm -hmm. I, I think that was a good point. And, but obviously for the money guys, it, it didn't make any sense. Yeah, I agree. I, I was out when it was mitochondria as the powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> I was like, what are we doing here? Where are we going with this? Because it's one thing to tweet other stuff, but that I was like, okay, I, I was over it at that point. But then when you look at the final breakdown of it, you're like, yeah, I mean, I don't think the bills should be going and giving away that much money, knowing they have things to address for themselves. What are they going to do with Matt Milano, other positions? So it made sense after finally seeing it, but yeah, I was, I was, Matt, was I was more like job. you where I was like, all right, I'm, I'm ready for this to be over. <laughs> yeah, I was is, all uh, about it. I was all about it. I, I love the social media stuff. I, I love the mitochondria tweet that took <laughs> off uh, with a lot of people speculating on that and what it meant. But and to Matt's point, Matt mentioned this earlier in the podcast. There was that whole list going around of what he was looking for quarterback uh he was looking for a contender he was looking for this that and the other and then he he agrees with the cardinals which kyler murray good quarterback but still has to prove himself he mm -hmm. comes out and says boy it's kind of nice to wake up and have it be 65 degrees out 
you went to school at Wisconsin. You, you're from yeah. the colder air. What, what, what does that really matter at the end of the day? And then if winning a championship truly is on your list, how do you land on the Cardinals? You look at that division. The 49ers were recently in the Super Bowl, and they, they were just devastated by injuries last year. And I'm not saying they're going to be in a Super Bowl contender this year, but they're still going to be a, a pretty good team. I, I like the coaching staff there. I like the talent there. Seattle, as long as they keep Russell Wilson, they actually get him some protection up front. They're going to contend. And now you have the, you know, the Rams who, who made a big swing with Stafford. You're entering one of the toughest divisions in the NFL. You're, you're going to a team that absolutely collapsed in the second half of the season. So uh, I'm thinking it had nothing to do with winning a Super Bowl right now and, and maybe getting one more big payday where once you sign that last T on Watt, you are getting $20 million invested into your account right there and then. So, you know, maybe three years from now is when he joins a Super Bowl contender and he yep. really is trying to get that ring. But right now I'm not buying it if that truly was this list that was floating out there. Let me yeah, open I agree up. with you 100%. Let Ryan. me open up one thing real quick because I want to get into this. And if it has more J.J. Watt, get into it, Dan. But one of the things that Ryan sent me before we started the show tonight was a topic. And I think it'd be fun to kind of open up maybe a 15-minute conversation around it because – you, you look at the recent cuts that are happening around the NFL, and obviously J.J. Watt started that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they're starting to come pretty fast and furious. And, you know, we're probably going to see some big names over the next couple of days. I mean, we've anticipated Von Miller for a while now, Kyle Rudolph in the tight end situation, potentially maybe even Zach Ertz, who I called Kyle Ertz earlier in the show. That was fun. <laughs> um, so a lot of big names are coming. So I'm wondering how much more do you see coming and and I guess the question is now, this kind of seems like a really amazing offseason to have a need like edge rusher because you're going to have like a, a plethora of options when it comes to finally starting to sign some guys. Wow. He's yeah, I think it's going to really – I was going to say, I think it's going to be really interesting in this case because uh, as we've seen from teams with the quarterbacks, they're willing to – take on some cap hits and move on from people. And that's going to open up some guys that I do believe Brandon Bean's eyes are wide open for that. And Dan made this point on our podcast. You know, the one thing about going after Watt showed for the right guy, Brandon Bean's going to spend money during this offseason. You can say all you want about the cap. If it's the right guy, he's going to find a way to make the money work as well as he can. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see who pops out early. And then there's the other part after free agency when teams cut guys, you know, maybe a little closer to June 1st, depending on what they can do or guys that they still have on the roster. So I think there's going to be there's going to be some talent out there that the Bills can try to cherry pick. I know uh, Diana Rossini, I believe, tweeted out today, too, that she had talked or had a conversation with I can't remember if it was an NFL exec or a coach, but basically she said it was going to be a bloodbath in terms of the players being released and all the players that would be flooding the market. And just I think that's a, a product of where they are with the salary cap. But yeah. that bodes well for the Bills in terms of there's going to be quality players that people just can't pay. And the Bills obviously are a little strapped for cash in this, but at the same point, I think with their market being flooded in that way, maybe players would be willing to come to a team for a little bit less money like the Bills because they know the product that they're getting, the success that Buffalo has had, and how it's continuing to grow, and you're continuing hopefully to see that development from Josh Allen. But I definitely think it makes it interesting because I even remember – like I haven't been covering the team – 
my first year was Rex Ryan's last year, but to see the difference in the way that players talk about Buffalo is night and day. I feel like it's like, why would I want to go to Buffalo? It was like, ew, gross. Not And, and even going to the combine, talking with some of the prospects, it was always like, we'd be like, yeah, we're from Buffalo. And they'd be like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, oh, yeah, cool. But now it's like, oh, Teams actually know about the Bills. Like some of these, some of these rookies are like, no, I would love to play in Buffalo. And just seeing yeah. the turnaround with that just makes it fun. And, and the fact that there's going to be a lot of players available, Dan, I feel like that makes it just that much more exciting. Well, and that's the thing. Exactly what Jenna said is that like this is now a destination where team where, where players want to go play and the culture that McDermott and Brandon Bean have built. So like Bills fans like don't take it all sensitively when the hottest girl in the, you know, at the dance didn't want to dance with the bills. Like he wanted to dance somewhere else. That's fine. There's other Watts in this free agent water, like, and there's cheaper ones and there's younger ones like than JJ Watt. Like I, I, I had a tweet. Are you that, saying like, go younger? Go younger <laughs> and cheaper? Really? Uh, I'm just saying where, where I, I had, I had tweeted out that I was like, like, JJ Watt wasn't going to make the Bills Super Bowl contenders. Like he, you know how I know that because he didn't make the Cardinals Super Bowl contenders. Now, like, Josh yeah. Allen made them Super Bowl contenders and Stephon Diggs and this offense. But like there are for people being like, well, what what's next? Like Brandon Bean, I am positive, has a plan B, plan C and plan D after not landing J.J. Watt. Like I'm surprised how in he was and for the price that's reportedly that he was into it for. But I think there's going to be a lot of value. And, and, you know, you're seeing whether it was Kyle Van Noy that was released, you know, whether does some of this money guys that was saved on Watt or was going to go to Watt, does that is that kick a couple more million towards Matt Milano? Like, does that make that more of a possibility again? Like, there's there's a lot of things that are still very unclear after being in the mix that there's still a lot of opportunity on the Bills roster and in the free agent waters. Yeah. You know, talking about – I'm going to talk about a plan C with C being compensatory. With all these players possibly going to get – cut from these opposing teams should Brandon Bean almost be looking to address some of the needs with those specific players because players that are cut by their own teams they don't figure into that compensatory pick formula and the Bills let's just say they lose Matt Milano and they lose Darrell Williams both are projected to get big money and those could end up being day two day in an early day three pick in next year's draft so is that a strategy you could see Brandon Bean implementing yeah, I think if all things are equal, that's a really good point. I think you look at, when I say all things are being equal, there, there's players out there they know that can help them, depends on the money. But that's a whole other element. And you make a good point about letting certain free agents go and you getting something back. Because sometimes teams will you know, try to make a deal on a guy maybe before their contract comes up and then they'll hold on to him. And a guy like Milano, I think you're right. I think we, I think we kind of believe Milano – is not in their plans for two reasons. One, I mean, you guys heard Bean at the end of the year pretty openly talking about staying on the field. But I think the other part is they're going to pay Tremaine Edmonds. And I don't think you're paying two linebackers. I really just don't see that in the NFL right now. So that plays into it. They let Milano go. And like you said, get back a draft pick and then sign of maybe a veteran linebacker at least for a year that can help you that doesn't go against that compensatory pick. When we talked to Matt Milano before the season started, you know, he talked about how, you know, I want to stay in Buffalo. I want to, I believe in this team. This was in the summer. 
um, knowing that this would be a contract year for him. And then now just thinking about it and the way that things have gone and the fact that, you know, he's, he's going to test free agency. You just look at him and you think, yeah, that's a guy that's probably not coming back because of where he's at in his career too. He knows he can make the money. He's hitting his prime. He's, he's someone that can have that lucrative big deal. And I don't think the bills are willing to give him that. Like what Mike said in terms of they're going to pay one person at the position. And that seems to be Tremaine Edmonds. So because of that, I think you have to kind of figure out which way you can make it like the biggest benefit and make it work for you. But there are going to be some big decisions that the bills have to make because now there's expectations. I feel like last year when we were coming into this season, into the season, it was like, yeah, this, this team is talented, but the, you know, they still hadn't won in the playoffs. And now where the bar is set, it's hard because this team is so close that it's that little bit of tinkering we were talking about before. And maybe Matt, Ryan, you agree with this. I think that's even harder than doing the roster overhaul because with the roster overhaul, you're expected to have those growing pains. The bills, I don't, I don't believe that that is the case. You bring up a great point. Let me just chime in here. And it's something that I've been thinking about the last couple of days. And it goes to the point of, you know, this stage of the build. And the problem is, is that you've filled every conceivable hole and you get your roster to a point where you really get clear kind of final, um, glimpses into what you need the problem is when you when you realize what you need you realize that what you need ends up usually costing and whether that be Mm -hmm. another big time cornerback or an edge rusher or whatever piece that you think that you need a big time tight end i mean all the players that we talk about that we banty about on social media and all these lists and everything else they cost a lot of money and the problem is you know you go you're brandon bean and you kind of develop this philosophy of draft develop resign well we're seeing that and i know that it's cap year that that's not always possible mm-hmm. yeah Matt, i think that's a great point because guys like matt milano have exceeded their fifth round draft expectations like 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 that they've played so well that they are now going to get more than what the bills probably thought milano was going to get in his next contract you look at guys like john feliciano another guy exceeded his contract he's played better than what they paid for him daryl williams another prime example these guys are to get big money because they played so well in buffalo that now somebody is going to pay more money the the, the challenge is is finding the next milano is filling a hole for daryl williams it's trying mm-hmm. to find them all over again and to get you know to to keep kind of plugging the hole with with these guys and and that's what's tough because you're right you can't re-sign everybody it's just not possible and Matt the other point going forward is I said this year was rarefied air you're all going up at the same time there was not a bad word said in that locker room if there was somebody would have looked at you sideways because nobody really had gotten paid yet right some guys got a little more Diggs has his money and whatever They got through this year, great year, but now guys are going to get paid and eventually get paid and they're going to be setting priorities and other guys are going to go and expectations get higher and the the tension goes up a little bit. Like you're expected to win now. The margin of error is gone, right? Because like when we say the Bills are chasing the Chiefs, well, you don't think the Colts and the Ravens who could have beaten the Bills in the playoffs think they can't beat them this year? So mm-hmm. – All these moves that Brandon Bean makes have ripple effects with the rest of the team. And I think that's the part where you've got to be really careful at how you do this. And these guys have done a great job of having the room the way they want it. But I think it's hard to hold on to that for a long period of time in the NFL. 
and then making decisions on guys. And I was going to break some news here. Maybe you guys didn't know about it, but um, Tremaine Edmonds is only 22 years old. <laughs> Dan and Jenna get a I don't know if you've heard them mention. Have you heard them mention that guys, Jermaine's only Guys, this is what happens in the sports office or even <laughs> on our Zooms. Like before when Mike was talking about the bickering bills, like like it's really story time with Mike. Like Judd and I, pre-pandemic, <laughs> yeah. we were at the show. Yeah. Mike, said, we, Mike, said, Mike said I'm about to break some news. And I'm like, all right, great, because I'm going to have to open up my uh, CMS <laughs> and write the story while we're on the podcast. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mike. Say, okay, there you go. Talking to. 22. And by the way, I don't know if you know, but he hurt his shoulder this year. Got you. The only reason I'm saying that is this comes into play because Matt Milano is going to walk and the plan is to pay Tremaine Edmonds, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I think so. I think eventually he was their number one pick. They got the fifth year option. They've got all that stuff going on. The expectations get higher. The money gets bigger. Players in the locker room know you get paid and they look at you differently. And I saw this years ago with the Bills in a different world. So I think these decisions, you're right, they making these decisions is tough. The money gets bigger, the stakes get higher. And I think Bean's a great GM. He's great at maneuvering, but but the the amount of swings you take is less. They just gotta be good ones. And Mike, what kind of message would it have sent if the Bills would have signed J.J. Watt but let Matt Milano, someone that spent his entire rookie contract playing well for the Bills, and Daryl Williams, someone that came in at a discounted rate uh, and, and played lights out, if you let those guys walk and then you shell out big money, what would that tell the, some of those other players in the locker room? Could that have led to some issues? That's a very interesting point. I think it depends on what J.J. Watt you get. Right. If you get the, you know, maybe not player of the year, but you get a guy that's a difference maker. And I don't just mean his teammates initially are going to be like, we got JJ Watt. Yeah. You're getting that entity. But yeah, how we, more importantly, how he plays. We all know that, right? If the guy plays great, he's fine. Look, back in the day, Bruce Smith, Bruce, I used to say, without being, I'm not critical of person, I said Bruce was a selfish player. He wanted sacks. He wanted to get to the quarterback. But his selfish play was phenomenal for the team. He was unblockable. He's one of the all-time greats in the league. And the players knew that. That's who Bruce was. Nobody ever had a problem with Bruce because Bruce, Bruce's play worked for this team. I think if J.J. Watt came in and played like a great J.J. Watt, it would be like, hey, man, look who we got. But if he's anything less than that, to your point, Ryan, it's like, man, we miss Milano. We missed Daryl, and we got JJ, and I think it could have caused a problem. And Ryan, to go off that point, I had been saying that all last offseason about extending Trey White, and Mike and I kind of went back and forth because Mike said, like, you can tag him, you, you, you can get your, your fifth-year option, you can tag him, all of these things. That, and I was with you, Ryan. The message that it sends, not like signing Deion Dawkins and signing a guy like Trey White, who have literally done Everything and more that you could have asked for when you signed him, like, yes, the money is a thing. But again, it's the message of you guys have done great things for us and we're going to reward you. Like, like I, I yeah. think that's a huge point. And, and that's interesting that you talk about what would a J.J. Watt signing, a guy who can be a little bit like a me, like Mike said, like Bruce Smith was.
Yeah. I think the interesting point to kind of play devil's advocate too, is we hear Brandon Bean talk so much about sign, draft, develop. That is what the Bills want to do. But Matt Milano is a perfect example of they did draft him. They did sign him. They did develop him. But now that he's up for you know a, a new contract, it's like he played out of the range that I think the Bills thought he would be in, like we talked about. But at the same point, he's almost being punished for being too good because where the Bills are at right now, like they talk about that model and how important that is to them. And now they have the example to go out and fulfill that, like they have done with a guy like Trey White or a Deion Dawkins. But I feel like that kind of shows like, well, yeah, like, no, you did a great job, Matt, but um, not right now. And it's like, what does that say going forward? Because they talk so much about how important that is to them. I mean, obviously it's a business, but at the same point, it's just, I can imagine for Milano, it's probably pretty frustrating because he made it. I a don't point think he's. He's going to get paid. But yeah. at the same point, it's just interesting how it's like, yeah, we want to sign guys. We want to draft them. Do we want to develop them? And it's like, well, you have this opportunity, but you're probably not going to. This was awesome. Uh, I want to do this again soon. And we're probably, we won't do like the big marathon thing. We'll probably break it up into individual shows, but you guys were awesome. Um, anybody can, you know, let everyone know again, anybody that's tuning in now where they can find your stuff so that they catch you every time you guys are live. Yeah. Go um, ahead, Jenna. I was going to say, we're on buffaloplus.com and then our YouTube page, which is Buffalo Plus. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Um, you can also, if you're in Rochester or Western New York, on um, 13wham.com. Also, we do want to say we got, we're huge fans of you guys as well. So it's always nice to see everyone on the YouTube. Um, but yeah, um, Mike and Dan, myself, we really have um, had a lot of fun doing this project. And we also have a podcast. It's called Buffalo Plus. So if you're looking for Bill's content... Yeah. Um, just look up Buffalo Plus, and we're we're one of the options out there. I highly recommend it, mostly for Jenna and Mike's takes, not so much for Dan's. But <laughs> listen, that's okay. <laughs> well we done. made it through the whole thing without getting Dan riled up about the run game, so we're. I good. would say we can't talk about the run. That could be an episode in itself, honestly. Um, Actually, we'll do a whole run game episode because I, I I'm I'm game for that. I want to watch Dan. it. <laughs> yeah, I want to watch the world burn. <laughs> Take care, guys. Thanks. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. So we're going to close down the show. And I know that Bill's Mafia can't wait for the fire hot takes. Mr. Thad Brown, WROC. Buddy, I miss getting to see you every Sunday through two panes of glass. <laughs> it's, it, you know, if we actually got the chance to kind of hang out in the same airspace, we'd probably be uncomfortable. We, you know, we've never done that before, right? <laughs> You're on Buffalo Kickoff Live with us, but only this year in the COVID season. So right. the idea of us, you know, like actually being close to each other, it, it might. Now, I do brush my teeth every week, so I come fresh breath every week. I just want to point that out now um, if you're worried about that. But, yeah, no, it, I mean, it is a fun – you know, we have a great time on that show. And uh, for those of you, let me plug it right now, Buffalo Kickoff Live, it's on News 8 in Rochester, Channel 4, WIBB in Buffalo, and all over – the state, if you're watching in Syracuse, Utica, you know, Binghamton, Erie, Pennsylvania, um, you can find this show most of the time. It's on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. This year with all these night Bills games, our schedule is all over the place, but we have a good time on that show, and we were glad to have you on, Matt. You were great this year and, and certainly, uh, you know, filled out that show quite a bit more with more smart stuff and good takes. Well, it was super fun, man. I mean, being around Josh obviously is a blast, Sal. Uh, one of my good friends on the beat now as well. Uh, great crew. Uh, so much fun this year. Heather as well. Got to spend some time in the studio with her. 
Let's well, hold dive on, hold into a this. Well, Matt, Matt, hold on a second. Ryan, what's up, man? We don't do this a lot. So I <laughs> no, we don't. How <laughs> you doing? You, uh, not bad. I mean, I, I like to, you know, be able to interact beyond just seeing your avatar and a couple of written takes. Just so, hey, what's up? How's it going? Hey, it's, it's going well here. Had my first uh, COVID vaccine today, so arm's a little nice. sore, but yeah, yeah pr- pretty happy over here. How are things with you? Good, good. Uh, my wife is all vaccinated. I'm not, so um, I can't get close too close to her right now, I guess. I don't know how that works, but I've heard how the, the arm thing works and the recovery time, so glad you're already on the way. Hopefully, we'll all be there soon. I love it. Yeah, my wife's all set. We got all of our – I think we got – my parents are all set now too, and her parents are set. That was the big thing, right? The getting as many of our parents done oh, sure. as we could um, in this thing. But yeah, to your point, <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be crazy just to be around everybody again whenever this ends because we're so used to the virtual life now. I mean, really, this podcast really became what it was in the in the midst of the pandemic last April. So that's really funny. I want to get into some bill stuff here. Um, but before we do, I've been kind of sitting on this topic all episode. And as I started to kind of look through the uh, guest lineup, I thought perfect to talk to you about this one because it's more AFC East centric. And I, I want to talk to you. I mean, we, we've covered it. The, the, the jump that Josh Allen took this year, the, the really good position that the Bills sit in now with the franchise quarterback. You look what's going on down in Miami now. And I think if anybody you talk to would probably say that at this stage – whether you want to go back to the start of the season or sitting here now after the season, Miami is like that other team in the division that you probably earmark as the the team that can be a contender with the Bills looking ahead. But you're seeing what's happening at the quarterback position. Not only what happened last year, but now all these little stories that kind of are coming out. And, you know, the the players that went to um, Armando Salguero after the season and started talking about Tua and, you know, why did they not play Ryan Fitzpatrick? And then you see former Alabama teammates. I get it, wanting to pump the tires of Mac Jones. But the fact that they would say that to me really kind of makes you open your eyes. I mean, how much trouble is brewing down in Miami with that quarterback situation? I don't know if it's a lot of trouble yet, but it's certainly a concern, you know, for – a, a first-round high-draft-pick quarterback who, although, look, he hasn't blown anybody away. He wasn't Justin Herbert last year, but Tua wasn't terrible. It's not like he threw 75 interceptions. You know, there's still potential there. So I don't know if we're to the, you know, panic button point, but there's no doubt that he didn't perform the way the Dolphins would have hoped he had performed year one. And it didn't help that Miami, I think, maybe a little bit surprisingly to them, as opposed, and, and including everybody else, had a legit playoff-caliber team. And I'm sure for the veterans who are on that team who, you know, especially guys who've been in Miami for a while, who haven't had this kind of look at a playoff spot, to have to also kind of bring along a rookie at the same time you're chasing a playoff spot, it's not an ideal situation. It's not, you know, you go back to some of the stories about why the Bills passed on Patrick Mahomes, and we can debate that all day long, but the idea was the Bills didn't feel like they were ready to build with a quarterback then. And, you know, whether or not the Dolphins were ready, the path wasn't the same. You know, they weren't on the right track to be able to kind of herd and, and, you know, put the training wheels on for a rookie quarterback last year. I think they caused a lot of the problems. Regardless, Tua's got to get better soon or else the Dolphins are going to have a legit, you know, quarterback issue and, and the stopper to what's become a pretty impressive build so far otherwise. Well, speaking of a legitimate, legitimate quarterback issue, what are the Jets going to do? Because right now they're, they're in like – everything's in flux. They don't know if they're going to keep Sam Darnold. They don't know if they're going to draft a guy. Obviously there's a lot of quarterbacks that could potentially be had via trade. 
So, and, and not just, I guess, with the quarterback position, but the Jets need to really play catch up here compared to the rest of the division. Even, even New England has some pieces there. If, if they want to become a contender with this new coach, what do the Jets have to do? Well, depends on your school of thought. And, you know, I think five years ago, if you had asked me that, I would have been like, take the best quarterback available and hope he's the guy. But I think if you look at what Baltimore has done with Lamar Jackson and what the Bills have done with Josh Allen, you take a quarterback with whatever number of questions and you build a super a superb uh, supporting cast around them, whether it's a great defense, a good offensive line in uh, Baltimore, an excellent system that's really tailored to Lamar Jackson's skill set. Or in Buffalo, you put an elite group of receivers around this quarterback. Having that supporting cast to me is more important than just getting the quarterback right. How many quarterbacks have we seen last 30 years that are a, quote, generational guy that just elevate a team by themselves? I mean, you might be talking last 15, 20 years, Andrew Luck, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, maybe. And that's it. For the most part, the rest of these guys develop because the roster around them, the staff around them, the system around them is A, consistent, and B, good. So, you know, for the Jets, the one thing that they have going for them is, all right, they don't have Trevor Lawrence, but when it comes to the draft and the number two pick, I think they hold all the cards right now. If they want to take Zach Wilson, they can. If they don't want to take Justin Fields, they can. If they want to trade for Deshaun Watson, they're in the best position to do that. And if they want to keep Sam Darnold for whatever reason, they've got a whole bunch of assets, going back to my original point, to where they can surround him with a ton of stuff year one. They're going to have you know 75, maybe 80 million of free agent room. They've got two first-round picks this year, two first-round picks next year. So if they determine Sam Darnold's the guy, they do have the assets to make him as good to you know, use the Sean McDermott phrase to be the best you know possible version of himself he could be. We've covered JJ Watt to the gills. I mean, it's it's been you know on this show, on other shows, on the site, on, on social media. But I do want to talk about the plan moving forward because I think that you know we obviously understand that that's a position that I think Brandon Bean didn't even really mince any words. I mean, it's it's something that has to be addressed. They have to get better on the defensive line especially at the edge rusher position, because I think that you hope you have the pieces internally to get things going on the interior. I mean, if you're Brandon Bean, we were just talking about all of these guys that, you know, and they've now extended and Matt Milano, who they might not be able to extend, but three players from that first draft before Bean even got here were big hits. And you look at the draft since then, and of course you have the big Josh Allen um, piece that you can kind of, you know, rest your hat on. But other than that, I mean, there's big question marks with Tremaine Edmonds and Ed Oliver and, you know, some of these other players. So I think that, you know, what are you going to do at edge rusher? Because you know that the Bills want to address that position. And I don't necessarily know that the answer is on the roster right now, as much as they probably think that year two will be better, even if they bring run it back with what the group that they have. I think you're right. And I think the, the I don't know if the scary is the right word, but maybe the concerning part is, I don't know if they have the resources to go out and really address that position in a big way. I mean, you look at the guys who are available free agent-wise, Carl Lawson's going to be at the top of everybody's list. I know Track has him projected to be about a $9 million per year guy, but my gut says when you're the number one edge rusher available, you're going to get paid. So mm-hmm. that's going to put him right out of Buffalo's price range already. A guy that I think could work is Trey Hendrickson from New Orleans, but there's a lot of Trent Murphy vibes coming off of that idea. Right. And I don't I don't know, you know if Bills fans are going to get super excited about that, but if you look at the free agent landscape, that's where the Bills are going to be shopping, you know, the Trey Hendrickson aisle. So unless they want to spend a first-round pick or hope to get lucky in a second or a third-rounder with an edge rusher, it, it's going to be hard. Now, you know, I'm sure you've talked about this at some point, but Von Miller, if he becomes free, would be an idea. And, you know, to, to kind of play off of my colleagues over at Wham, we're talking about, you know, I'll take the other side here. 
in terms of what the Bills would need or want with an edge rusher. You can have Matt Milano on this roster all day long. There are not offensive coordinators who game plan for Matt Milano. They're going to game plan for J.J. Watt if he's good. They're going to game plan for Von Miller if he's good. That's the guy that can elevate this defense. Bringing Matt Milano back is fine if you can afford it and if there's no better option. But I'll spend that Matt Milano money on an elite pass rusher all day long. And J.J. Watt at any price would have been – if the Bills had signed him with the Cardinals signed him, I would have been cheering Brandon Bean and waving the blue and red and white pom-poms. So, to me, they've got to find an answer for this. Now, it can be on the roster. You know I mean? A.J. Epinesa can be that guy. But to me, when it comes to pass rush, it doesn't have to come from the edge. And, in fact, you know, I think you're seeing more and more teams and in uh, GMs valuing the interior rush, the tackle rush, simply because those guys are closer to the quarterback. Right. So, for me, for the Bills to improve the defensive pass rush, Ed Oliver is the guy I'm looking at. Not a free agent, not a draft pick. You need the number nine overall pick that you brought in to be that guy who collapsed the pocket to take that step and become – you know, the kind of game record that we've seen him be, you know, here and there the first two seasons. I'm just I'm really, really hoping that we see some type of typical training camp. I really hope it's in Rochester, of course. But if it's not, I want to be able to be around it every day to see the kind of differences with Ed Oliver. Like we missed out on that this year. Like, like you know, just seeing how his body might have changed. I think that that's one of the things we talked about to him in his rookie year was just about, you know, the, the big transition from college to the pros getting used to the speed of the game, but also like what it takes to, you know, maybe change your body. I mean, you look at Aaron Donald and he's probably Ed Oliver doesn't ever need to be that kind of freak level player, but I definitely think you probably want him to be stronger, you know, better conditioning, whatever the case may be to put him in the best position to be successful. But to your point, I agree. I think that, there are pieces in place to generate some of that pressure from the interior. My biggest concern on the outside is that you mentioned a Carl Lawson and a, a name that I'm getting more and more comfortable with them. Maybe looking at is a Romeo Aquara, who is a young player that, you know, he seems to be trending upwards. I know it was just one year of production, but whoever you end up landing on, I also kind of like the idea of Jadavian Clowney. We can get into that. I know that there's some problems with that idea, but I, I like it for cost. And that's why I would have liked, Watt at an affordable rate. If you take a swing there, you need to to make contact because if you don't and you and you just kind of re you know you know bring in a, another player and it's not the answer, you're going to have same the same problems. But on the other hand, though, if, if you don't take a swing at all, or if, if you play it safe or run it back, and you've done like the team that we saw last year get to the AFC Championship, if the Bills just bring that team back, unless Josh Allen takes a large leap for a third year in a row, and as unlikely as that sounds, I won't put it past him because he's two for two making big leaps. But outside of that, I don't see how this team gets past the Chiefs. I just I don't. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to take a swing on someone. And Romeo Okwara is a guy I got on my list. Matthew Juden, we can talk about him. I think there has to be some attempt to spend whatever money the Bills are going to have at trying to improve the pass rush. Because you saw what Tampa did to Kansas City by being in Pat Mahomes' face the whole game. You, you erase that offense. They're the only team that's ever done it. The Bills don't have to get to that level, but they got to get better than what we saw in the AFC Championship because, you know, going back through and, and watching the film, I just actually just rewatched the Bills' offense in that game this week just to kind of go over some things. And and you look at and there wasn't one particular issue that cropped up. It was a little Josh Allen, a little Stephon Diggs, a little Brian Dable, and a little offensive line, but the defense got trucked for 60 minutes. You're not right. going to you know win any championships that way. So this defense, I think, has to be different in some way. It doesn't mean you got to let go of Matt Milano. But you got to take a swing on somebody. You want to, Oak War is fine. Give me somebody 
and then Brandon Bean just got to be right. Yeah, and even a Dwayne Smoot is someone that I feel like I haven't talked a lot about, but 31 quarterback pressures, six sacks in Jacksonville last year. He could He's hitting the market same age as Carl Lawson and Aquara, and, and he doesn't have the same kind of name value, obviously, as a Carl Lawson or a Jadavian Clowney or, or a Trey Hendrickson, but you know, find the guy that you think is going to fit the system because you're right. If they don't address those needs, uh, they're not going to be able to knock off the Chiefs or some of these other teams around them that are improving. Let's just say that Frank Wright can get Carson Wentz back to where he was. All of a sudden, they're a legitimate contender, and the Ravens are still going to be there, and the list goes on and on. Now, we're already starting to see some other teams around the league cut, cut players, Gabe Jackson, Kyle uh, Rudolph. One thing I've had Bills fans ask me a lot is, when are the Bills going to start doing this? Is this the case of the Bills? One, there's no reason to be doing it until you have their replacement because, you know, what's the point of cutting a Mario Addison or a Vernon Butler if you don't have that replacement in, in line? Or is it two, they're also waiting to see what this final cap number is going to be? Uh, I believe uh, all of the above is the answer. I mean, <laughs> you know, first of all, the, the cap number, the rumors have been, as high as 185, 188 million. If that happens, the Bills suddenly have, you know, a little bit of cap room to play with. Right this second, they're, depending on what site and what time of day you're looking, it seems, they're anywhere from a few hundred thousand to a couple million over the cap. But if Lee Smith is retired, I don't know where he is in filing the papers, that takes care of that issue right there. So the Bills don't have to release anyone. And then, you know, Ryan, to your point, there's no reason to let Amaro Addison go because, you know, maybe you strike out on all the pass rushes we're talking about and you don't you know, happen to get anybody in the draft. Well, then Mario Addison becomes your, your your best option. And because you cut him because you thought you needed his six or seven million against the cap, you know, three, four weeks ago, now you're left with nobody. So it doesn't make any sense to release a player until the Bills need to. And until A, the cap comes out and B, the Bills have someone else to sign. Now, it could be as simple as, you know, Matt Milano, John Feliciano, Daryl Williams, even like Ike Bucker or Corey Bohorquez, who are not under contract right now. Those guys might require the Bills and Brandon Bean to make a move. But you know, Brandon Bean has never, you know, been a guy that's done something rash. Or, I mean, remember last year they uh, waived Jake Kumaro, who was like the what the 18th receiver on the depth chart. And you know, Bill's Twafia, Bill's Mafia went, you know, bananas about, oh my God, we let this guy get away. It's Jake Kumaro. You know, he's not starting for anybody because right. Brandon Bean never does stuff like that. So I, I think he'll, you know, make the moves when they are necessary, not before. Yeah, I think that's a you know great conversation to be had, and I think that you look at what potentially could happen with when they release guys the next week and a half, it could get things dialed up really quick. I mean, one person that I think is definitely a, a potential cap um, helper is a Kawan short. If you think that you can get him back in the mix here, right? Obviously familiar with Sean McDermott, Eric Washington, you can, in a lot of ways, I think upgrade on Vernon Butler, move on from him, maybe get a a, a very affordable deal with Short, who's a little bit older. But I think if he can, if he can stay healthy, he can probably perform a little bit better. Then add a couple million just in just right there. I think they're going to move move on from John Brown before the start of free agency. We'll see what happens there. But right there, you're sitting there at maybe what you add eleven, twelve million dollars, and that that could be two players in free agency depending on who who you're looking at. The four guys that I've been targeting for the Bills to release if necessary, John Brown or off the bat, I mean, he's going to save $8 million. You got Gabriel Davis sitting there who, look, if to me, if the Bills bring back John Brown, my number one reaction is what's the problem with Gabriel Davis? Why can't that guy take over the role that John Brown had? Remember the end of last year, John Brown was hurt. Did anyone notice the offense slow down? I don't think so. So I don't think there's any reason to bring John Brown back, 
you know, with $8 million, unless he wants to severely take a pay cut. Quentin Jefferson would be an $8 million savings. And then Mario Addison, um, along with Vernon Butler, would be six and change. Those four guys could get you $29 million pretty quick. So those are, that's the group that I look at for the Bills to release if they need someone. As for Kawan Short, I'm not as dialed into Short as you are. I know I've, I followed your thoughts on Twitter, Matt, about him um, when he was first released. I put him in the same category as, you know, your Hendrickson's, your Oaks Warras. Yeah, he might help, but it's a swing. It's, it's a little more than a dart throw. I know he's been in the system. I know he's probably had better – he's had better production than Vernon Butler, so I think he's a little bit of an upgrade. But you're basically deciding what money you want to spend on. And I really like what Vernon Butler did late last year. I might make an argument for Butler – on the track he's the trajectory he's on might be a better use of that money than Kawan Short coming in at 32, 33 years old. Wow, that's interesting. And one good thing about you know Thad brings a kind of a analytical approach to it. Obviously, breaking down the tape every week, uh, which I certainly do not do. So uh, I usually when we're usually throwing uh, ideas around, I, I like to watch the games back uh, in different ways. And sometimes I do I do put on the all twenty two, but I don't watch it you know, in, in the same kind of way, breaking down each position. So I think that that's, that's good intel on a guy in Vernon Butler, where I guess the only point that I'm making is I think that there's potential there. Maybe a, a year in the system, familiarity with McDermott, Leslie Frazier, he could take another step next year. And, and maybe, you know, he can be more of what they were hoping him to be. But that's still a lot of money that if you can get Kwan short on two and a half million, add five million to the mix. I guess that's more of my, uh, my thinking. And listen, I think it comes down to the guys they have on the roster that keep on the roster are going to have to be better, especially defensively. I mean, you spent a lot of money in certain areas for, for as well as he played. And I know that, you know, this is another conversation about pressures versus sacks. And, you know, Jerry Hughes is always kind of in the middle of that conversation. Um, I think they need, they need better play from a bunch of different guys that defensively speaking to your point on the Kansas city game, nothing was going well in defensive side of the ball. Yeah, no, for sure. And and the, the thing that I look at is look at the assets the Bills have spent on the front seven in the last 18 months. You know, a first-round pick in Ed Oliver, a second-round pick in A.J. Epinesa. You've got free agent signings in Jefferson and Addison and Vernon Butler. And that group just did not live up to the to the asset expenditure that the Bills laid out. And, you know, they're going to be able, other than the two guys they drafted, to maybe reallocate those assets. you got to get it right. I mean, it's you know, it, it sounds simple, and, and it really, you know, from our point of view it is. You know, we're, I can look at all the tape I want. I'm still going to know maybe 1% of what Brandon Bean does. So as a Bills fan, you got to trust that your GM knows what he's doing. And and some degree, too, the GM has to get a little bit fortunate. Whatever the Bills do with that front seven, you know, even if it's bring the whole team back, he's just got to be right about it. And, and like I said, there are arguments to be made about, well, A.J. Epinesa showed promise late. Ed Oliver, maybe he follows the Deion Dawkins career path of, you know, good rookie year, sophomore swoon, and comes back up his, his third season. Somebody's got to step up because – that group we saw last year is nowhere close to Super Bowl caliber, and that's the goal for the Bills now going forward. Speaking of Super Bowl caliber in another position, what about the tight end position? You know, you mentioned, you know, Lee Smith. He was just the blocking tight end, but he can retire. Uh, that takes that veteran presence out of the room. Dawson Knox. He needs. He's one of those players that needs to take that big jump in, in year three. What's the route for the the Bills here? Is it bringing a veteran to kind of bring Dawson Knox along? Is it bringing someone in free agency that's a little bit younger and you can uh, expand your offense even more with the 12 personnel and and then maybe even Dawson Knox is allowed to be on the field at the same time as and Johnu Smith has been a popular name as a Johnu Smith where people aren't really going to be giving any attention anymore to Dawson Knox and he might be able to then 
put all those physical traits together, what do you think is the best route for success in terms of that tight end position? I think the Bills have to prioritize the two lines first. You got to figure out what you're doing on your D line, what you're doing on the offensive line. I mean, right now, Ike Butker, John Feliciano, and Daryl Williams are all unsigned. It's three starters from last year. May not necessarily be three starters next year. Regardless, you got to figure that out. And you got to figure a defensive line out. And I think what's going to end up happening is when the Bills do settle those ideas, well, then Matt Milano is probably a priority over tight end. So either you're going to pay him or not. Tight end is so far down the food chain in terms of what the Bills are going to do this year. I don't think they're going to have the money to chase after a John o. Smith or a high-level guy. There may not be, you know, Hunter Henry might be the only other high-level guy available. But they will add a veteran because Sean McDermott has said over and over he wants to have a veteran and a leader in every position group. They don't have that under contract right now. And the good news for the Bills there is that you got Kyle Rudolph or even Jared Cook, who was just released by the Saints. They're going to be, I think, a, a glut of experienced, maybe certainly a backside of their career type tight ends that you can bring in to be a mentor, still be functional, still be okay, um, and perhaps help Dawson Knox get to where you want him to go. But that guy by himself, he's not changing the pass game. You know, he's not going to be a high-impact guy. He's going to be competent. Hopefully he's going to be a decent blocker. Ryan, to talk about what you were saying with using more 12 personnel. Um, but if the Bills are going to get a big bump out of their tight end, to me it's Dawson Knox or somehow you catch a flyer deep in the draft. Great, great stuff, my friend. Uh, thank you so much for carving out some time for us tonight. Uh, couldn't have had a Rochester show without you, so I appreciate it. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you, at that Brown 7 on Twitter, uh, whatever you got coming up, uh, uh, or, or where they can catch your content. Rochesterfirst.com is our website. I write stuff there semi-regular. When, some, when uh, I'm inspired to say something, I'll put something on there. But I do put things on there a lot. That Brown 7 all the time. And, again, in season, check us out on Buffalo Kickoff Live. You know, every Sunday morning at 11 a.m., News 8 in Rochester, Channel 4 WIVB in Buffalo and all over the state. Hit me up on Twitter. I'll be happy to tell you uh, what station you can find it. And I want to say, you know, thanks to you guys. Um, I didn't quite know what, what the plan was for this show when you tweeted out the, the promo this morning. But getting all of us Rochester people on, I know it's appreciated. Um, I don't want to say we feel overlooked, but maybe we do. So thank you very much for for giving, you know, this half of the, the Bills beat some time and uh, – you guys do a great job, and I uh, really appreciate getting a chance to be on. Well, it's I was saying this a, a little bit earlier, but, you know, this has been kind of like our, you know, first run through this. So one of the big things is, like, you, we're trying to balance all these different things between, you know, guests and topics and shows every week. And it was complete oversight on my part that we never had anybody from Rochester. And you know more than anybody, I am a big Rochester uh, Bills beat fan I, I like uh, everything that you guys do out there is really great stuff so thank you so much for taking some time and we'll make it more of a regular thing moving forward yeah, that's cool and don't please don't think that we were upset at all you guys do a great job and you know your podcast you do you have on who you want and seriously just appreciate that uh, i got a chance to have some time tonight all right for ryan talbot wow this was a this was a trek this might be our new record two yeah, hours and 10 minutes <laughs> well they will in the usually uh as as popular as the live part of it is, um, the audio version really does does really well, and we have great fans over there. So you know, maybe then they, they see your name in the timestamp to fast forward ad. To you see what you got to say. Last. That was a good call right there. Well done. <laughs> All right, for Ryan Talbot, Thad Brown, I'm Matt Perino. We will see you next week. We may have a special show on Saturday night. Stay tuned. Uh, if you're on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed. Hit that subscribe button and notification bell. I will put that out when it's finally confirmed, the full guest list. But it's going to be a big show, so make sure you uh, stay tuned for that. All right, everybody, take care.